Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, I can't hear you. April oh, Fools! Oh, can't believe absolute swine! <laughs> oh, Hi everyone, it's episode twenty-eight. I really just wanted to see Mark's face, thinking I was muted, but I wasn't for once. Bit of a risky joke, actually, because I could well have messed everything up. I tell you what, that gave me. Oh, I was so annoyed. I was like, oh no, that can't be. No, no, it can't be. No. Oh, not good for the podcast either, because they won't get that joke at all. Oh no, they? terrible, terrible for everyone except for me, really. But um, went for it anyway. Uh, hi everyone, it's episode twenty-eight. Uh, Opportunity knocks a fitting title to what looks to be an exciting week after an awful international break. Mark, how are you? I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, I'm getting heart palpitations now. Uh, yeah, you, I, you probably owe me one, to be fair, because I've, I've, yeah, I've, got, I've got more sneaky Couldn't samples resist. coming up. Exactly. I'll get my own back before the end of the show. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, um, we, uh, we had, oh, it's, been a, it's been a strange time, isn't it, because of the break. And we've kind of, we, weren't, we were trying to relax and get out of FBI mode a bit. But I think on... Um, Sunday, Sunday's show was a bit of a, a key show for us, it turned out to be. It was mm. a really big show, really enjoyed it. That was kind of like a look back, a retrospective. And in that, I think we kind of um, set the tone for a lot of conversations this week in terms of, um, you know, the idea of effective ownership, fear of missing out, that kind of stuff. A lot of talk on Twitter, which you've been kind of at the centre of. So oh, Sunday's episode much. was massive, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've had a bit of a few run-ins. I mean, where are you with this whole Twitter situation now? Because um, it, it's been meandering a bit, hasn't it? I think, I think the problem has been is that like a lot of the time I've been arguing points that weren't even my intention to, to argue. I mean, all Luke and I were trying to say was like, if you're doing quite well and you want to do even better, sprinkle in a couple of differentials and you might see your rank rise really high if you get the luck of the draw. And it was just amazing how many people thought I was advocating 
Trossard captain every week and bin off all your highly owned players and all that when you know that wasn't that wasn't what we were saying but you know what runs the bridge international break does funny things to people I got a bit too into it uh, and I think so did everyone else so it's nice to um, it's nice to have a game week to look forward to where I haven't got to think about all that again <laughs> it is and I think that um, yeah I think I think Sunday show was was great for us in that respect and, and reception's been amazing it, isn't has, it, it has and tonight's show is going to be a, a lot more lightweight a lot more relaxed we're, look, we're looking forward I haven't got anywhere near as much data prepared so if you're expecting both got some a more, drink we have I've got a glass of wine cheers um, cheers everyone have a good <laughs> Easter I'm looking forward to the week off work next week so next week I mean next week show with the wild card and I think we're going to talk about a bit tonight about whether we're both going to be playing the wild card still because I think it's presumed that we're both going to go into 31 wild carding but mm-hmm. I'm going to talk a bit later about well whether the new double game week changes our plans and I've started looking at that today I've got to admit that I haven't really done any planning for the wild card and I haven't really looked to sanity check that 31 is still the best game week to wild card and there's some chatter in the community about, or maybe pushing it to 32 or 33. Mm. Um, so we'll look at that tonight and I'll get your thoughts on that. We're going to look at um, obviously some of the players that um, come to mind for that wildcard, particularly with double game with 32. We're going to look at, uh, yeah, the opportunity to take a punt uh, for this coming game week with today's poster boy, which is Marcus Alonso, mm. who is a player that I think we're both looking at. And we're going to look at a deep dive into the captaincy because I think, you know, Sunday's discussion was all about Kane and him, the decision being affected by effective ownership. Um, so we've got that dilemma again, maybe. So we're going to touch on that as well. So interested to get your opinion on that. I think you're going Kane again, aren't you? You're, you're just sticking with, with Kane. Well, I'm just a bit afraid of how many people are going to captain him. So <laughs> no. Uh, There's a lot of cowards. Uh, I probably, am yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I probably am going to go Kane. He's, he, he's got the best, I think, I think Newcastle's the best picture at the moment. So that, that sways it. Nothing to do with ownership. I never said just pick a captain because of ownership. You've got to go for the, the one you think is going to score best. And I think anyone playing uh, Newcastle at the moment has got to be considered. But your double digit uh, thing last week um, might have put me towards another option. But I'll save it for later. It's not Alonso. Is it not? Okay. It's not, no. I'm going to... Well, I've got the case for another player as well, and I probably is the same player as you. So that'll be interesting when we meet Ooh. in the middle for that captaincy chat as well. Um, so we don't need to look back at our game week uh, 29. But I thought I'd bring up the great and the good league because the good news for you is out of the relegation zone, as out of the oh, relegation zone. By, no way. By Villaronka just, as well. I know. Deal. Above Villaronka. So you're giving chase to Tom Freeman. You're only one point behind Tom. But you've gone ahead of Villaronka and you've left Joe and Late Riser in the bottom two. So at the moment... Do you know what? I'm really happy with a, that. I am too, because it means we can do great in the good league next year. <laughs> I'm really happy with that. Yeah. That's quite... That's, I, was, I was cut adrift as well. So I have clawed my way back into, back into it. Well, I just it was, need to not, not blow it. It was down to that game week captain column, and we don't want to dwell on the fact, but look, everyone <laughs> everyone went Kane, apart from yourself and typically Late Riser, who did the upside chasing with, with Lookman, uh, was unlucky with Lookman, let's face it, because Lookman really should have scored. And that was the difference, really. Trossard converted his chance and got the assist and got the haul, and that got you the 73 points. So with just the wild card left, that's, that's the one thing I'd worry about, because look at you down there, you're surrounded by people with chips. So 
it's there's still a long way to go as before you're out of oh well, I, I know it's all, the wild card is is it it's, it's all gonna I need to I need to nail that fucking nail that I should have a pretty strong end of the season uh, mm. easy to say more difficult to do it is um, so talking of chips um, you brought up um, the subject of the chips being used in the top 10k and this, this surprised me a bit do you want to talk us through mm. this because I was a bit shocked by the numbers to be honest well I've always thought that the the top 10k kind of are a bit overinflated because they've probably used all their chips because the chips get them more points. Yeah. Um, but in terms of wildcards, there's still a lot of wildcards left. So only 40% have used, used their wildcards. You've still got 60% of the top 10K with their wildcard left. Um, three hits have mostly gone. There's 1,000 left. Uh, triple captains. There's three, nearly 3,000 left. So still quite a few of those. Mm. And bench boost, there's 2,000 left. So... It's the wild cards, really. I thought, I thought more wild cards would have, more second wild cards would have been gone. So for the top ten k, there's still forty percent of people who have that that wild card to go, which is a little bit um, annoying because I th- I really thought, well, I mean, not so annoying for me, but for people who are trying to really push into that top ten k, which isn't really a goal of mine at the moment, mm. um, I would have hoped it would have been a bit of a bigger boost. I thought it would have been more around the sixty seventy percent mark having used it. Yeah, I There's mean, actually sixty percent left. What's surprising there as well? Not so much the triple captain; it's the bench boost. Two thousand, twenty percent have yet to play the bench boost, yeah. and I guess I don't know when they're going to use it. Well, I, yeah, this this is it. It's because I mean, I saw on Twitter today we got um, us and some other content creators got um, kind of picked up on the fact that we're all pushing game week thirty one um, as the uh, as the wild card week, and of course, if you got your bench boost left. That might not be the case because you might want to bench boost ahead of well for game week thirty five, which we think will be a quite a large double game week. And this this links to um, uh, Ben Crellin's latest work. I just want to bring up Ben Crellin's chart here while we talk about this. So Ben Crellin um, is talking about well, it's, it's basically fairly likely that um, there'll be some rearrangements of fixtures um, because. With crowds coming back into the stadiums, I think there's a move to try and give every team um, a home match. Right? And because of that, we're gonna, they're going to rearrange some fixtures around the FA Cup final. Um, so there's talk of two blanks in game week 36 and those blanks moving to game week 35, which will create another double game week with, with four teams playing twice. And there's all kinds yep. of permutations about that, depending on what happens in the FA Cup. I'm not going to go into that. So there is... There is this double game week looming in 35. So if you've got your bench boost back left, the tactic, of course, is normally to couple the wildcard with that. So you might wildcard, well, you won't wildcard in 31 for bench boost in 35. You'll wildcard later. So, I mean, that's another reason why we need to perhaps consider that, you know, while we're, we're talking about 31, there's a lot of people who are probably looking to wildcard mm. later than that. Um, yeah, and what's your, are you doing any kind of mental preparation for that pending double game week? No, not no. really. I mean, the next week's going to be key because I'm going to have the spreadsheet out. I'm going to work out my wildcards. I'm still planning on wildcarding in 31. Uh, you know, I'm looking at Spurs and I'm thinking it's going to probably just be Kane and Son that I, I go with. I'm going to want to keep Kane until the end of the season anyway. And then I can move Son on. So I'll work out a plan of, of kind of mm. how I juggle that. So I will just say uh, the chat has very uh, astutely pointed out that I'm an idiot. And actually, is sixty percent that have used their wildcard in, in the top ten k? They're um, very quick to pick up on either. your maths, aren't they? Right? Yeah, well, so, yeah. 
I don't know if it's maths. It's my my ability to read, uh, which is which is in question. So there is there That's is right. actually sixty percent have used their world card already. So that is more more kind of in line with with what I thought. Um, you didn't notice it either, so I'm, I'm no. I, I, I probably wasn't listening to what you were saying as usual, but as well, that's that. fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I beg, I had to beg you to put, even put this chart in, didn't I? Because yeah. I did. <laughs> uh, you did indeed. Yeah, yeah. I was too busy uh, doing yeah, doing your samples. I mean, I know. Yeah. I mean, the thing the thing is with playing your wild card in 34, it just feels to me that the wild card is the most powerful chip, in my opinion. Mm. It's the one that really lets you. I mean, it, obviously, it has the potential to mess you up because you could end up taking out players. You know, like the lead players, for example, who who go on and do well. But really, I think it offers you the best chance of advantages and to make um, use of fixture swings and all this kind of stuff. If I'm having to use that in 34, I've got less time to get yeah. advantage from it from a start. And secondly, if I'm having to pair that with a bench boost in 35, then I'm having to think about that. And then my team's going to be weaker for the last sort of couple of game weeks. So I'm still happy to go in with the plan of, of wildcarding in, in 31. And there's only one double game week in, in 32. One of the two players I want are going to be playing anyway, so I'm I'm happy to stick with the plan. So here's a question. So we know now that Spurs played twice in 32, and Palace had the blank, as shown by Ben Crellin's latest chart here. Um, has that changed your thinking with the wild card? I mean, you say you haven't started working things out yet, but presumably you're going to be going into the wild card in 31 with with Kane and Son. Yes? Yeah, right. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was I was never planning on a wild card with Son. Um, and Kane because I was happy with the one Spurs play the, the double game has obviously changed that and I now think going in with both they then have the um, they've got the blank haven't they yeah uh, see that's the problem yeah yeah but I was always planning on having a fairly strong bench anyway because if I'm going to be keeping one or two City players then I, I don't think we can have I don't think we can afford to have at this point any any non-playing players or 3.9 4 million options I think I've got the squad value in the kind of rough drafts I've made to make sure I've got at least a 4.5, 4.6 playing defender. Um, so I'm happy to bench Kane for 33 and I'll mm. probably look to, to get rid of Son. And, um, you know, I mean, you know, Liverpool have got Newcastle in that game. Grealish could be back for the West Brom game. Uh, you know, there's, there's loads of options to, to kind of go for. Uh, the only thing is then Spurs go into Sheffield United straight after. <laughs> so no, that's the problem. I mean, that him, might want him might want him straight back in, but that's if you've saved the free hit um, and you take you're taking the free hit forward, yeah. you've got a, a really good chance. There. I mean, basically, it means you can get Man City on your wild card, or you can start getting Man City and Spurs now or on the wild card. You can play the free hit in thirty three and then carry them through. Um, I mean, Man City to me are less attractive because of the the issues with rotation. Um, and I mean, their their situation, if you look at the fixtures they've got up in, in the short term, they go to Leicester, obviously, in this coming game week. And I, I think that there's going to be a degree of rotation in that game because they've got Dortmund just two, day, two days later. Yeah, Three starts. For there's no way Gundogan's playing Leicester. I'd be, amazed so. if he, I'd be amazed if he starts that game. Yeah, disappointing. I, mean, I think De Bruyne didn't play the final game for Belgium, did he? Trossard yep. came in and uh, did quite well, I know. He did, he did. Um, so I, I think, think Batshuayi and Benteke, I mean, how the hell are they starting for Belgium still? <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny how those players on an international stage can, can be on a different level. It's why I really like a goal scorer challenge. I, I don't think you play it, do you? no. But it's, it's the one where you, every week, you pick a different player to score. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, and then once you've used that player, you can't use them again. Anyone listening, like check it out because it's, it's, it's a really simple, like fun game. But it really puts players like that into, um, you know, into your thinking because you're like, well, Batshuayi doesn't start for Palace, but he starts, might start for Belgium. I'll, give, I'll put him in and the international break comes along and he scores a goal. And yeah, it's, um, I, I do like goal score challenge. It's, it's got a nice little, and if you three uh, I play, FPL, Championship Man and Championship Manager and, and goal score challenge. I can't handle anymore. That's it. And if you check the notes, there's an affiliate link and as gets 50% of it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, but, of that free to play game yeah, it's free yes. to play um Money. yeah i mean i think that yeah gundavan you're right i mean it's a shame because i i quite if gundavan was starting at leicester i'd quite fancy him there um because we looked previously and saw that leicester at home do you know do allow chances right and i think city can get a couple of goals uh and i think well, uh, okay right. be. really you're gonna look at the boy in a way i mean he, he does look likely to start so it is tempt- so you're you 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 were debating whether to go Son or De Bruyne, and it's De Bruyne, and now he's tempting you. I think he he's he's top of my he's top of my thinking. I mean the mm. the amount of double digit hauls that Leicester concede at home really surprised me. Yeah, uh, and it was De Bruyne missing out in that Belgium game that makes me think he should be more likely to start. Especially, I'm convinced Gundogan isn't going to play in that game. I know it's dangerous to play this. Prediction lottery game, but the signs don't. I mean, three three starts over the international break for for Gundogan, and then and then Dortmund coming up. I just I can't see it. I just I just mm. I think he's gonna he's gonna have to have a break in that. And I think De Bruyne could miss out. But then who do they play in midfield if if he doesn't? Uh, I think he plays. And Son is the kind of easy option. But as your chart showed, uh, Newcastle aren't giving huge amounts of double digit hauls away when they play at home. Yeah, so, it's true. I mean, I can bring that up if you miss Sunday's show. I'm putting show. all my faith in I you, know, Mark. This is, this, is what, <laughs> this is what you're referring to. This is a table that we showed on Sunday, um, and it's listing, um, it's basically a table of teams that have conceded double-figure scores to opponents. Um, and the way the table works is if you're playing Man City at home, uh, they've only conceded two um, double-figure returns. In um, uh, in home matches, um, whereas if you're going to Man City away, rather they've they've allowed four. So actually, yeah, it's surprising that that City have allowed more double figure returns at the Etihad than they have. Yeah, when you play in the moment. So yeah, I guess that was the Leicester game majorly. Um, but you're right, Newcastle at St James's Park have conceded just seven uh, double figure returns compared to eleven when you play them uh, at home. Whereas you look at Leicester. And ten double-figure returns when you go away to Leicester, and only three when Leicester come to you. So it's um, very much way towards much more fragile and brittle in home matches for Leicester. So how I much faith to be put in this completely unproven way of <laughs> picking, well, of picking it, captains? It is a measure, I guess, of defensive frailty. Um, and you know, only recently Leicester allowed double-figure returns to Arsenal. You know, in a home game, we saw that. Um, I just, I mean, the Leicester defence, I've never really, I mean, I own Justin for a short spell, but even when I had him, Leicester defence, they're like Everton's, I just never feel secure in a clean sheet mm. at all. I always think they're one mistake away. I don't trust Michael not to try some elaborate goal kick and kick it to a striker and put themselves <laughs> in trouble. Um, so I... I never really put much stock in the Leicester defence. That's why I do fancy I feel kind of the opposite. One. Do you? I feel the opposite of them. Yeah, I, 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 I like, I think because I haven't owned Justin, 
I've been so frustrated with the number of like clean sheets and, and stuff he's got. He's always felt like every week they've got a clean sheet. And they've been so unlucky with the injuries they've had for Fana and Soyuncu and Pereira being injured and stuff. And it it does look like they're getting back to a, a you know a fully fit defense. I don't I just don't really know what that looks like. And obviously Ndidi being back is massive because he's he's the kind of guy. Yeah. But they're not a settled defense. You know, even if they, if they get all of their first team defense back, this isn't a defense that's played all season and and uh, looking really strong and, and comfortable. This is a team that. He's been injured for a bit and he's coming back. He's injured and he's coming back. It's, it's you know, it's not a patchwork defence because it's their best players, but at the same time, they're players who haven't played that many minutes this season. And that, but I was really surprised to see that. I mean, 10, 10 double-digit returns. I mean, I know you can say what you like about, you know, the, the prediction model of this, but like you say, it just shows that they are, they are conceding, you know, chances. They are conceding goals when playing at home. And... It's City, right? That's the mm. thing. That, that's, if it was any other team, I probably wouldn't be that into it. But the fact that it's City playing them um, is, is the kind of difference. And it's whenever I've got the opportunity to captain a City player in a game which looks good, then I want to because they're, the they're the team that scores the most goals. So here's a question for you. I mean, given that schedule, and that's only in the short term, and if they get past Dortmund, surely the rotation around Champions League games is going to get worse. And I think the Leeds game there... Uh, in game week 31, that's a lottery. I mean, if you're taking City assets into that game, I can't see with the second leg at Dortmund three days later, us being able to predict what Pep's going to select in that game. And and that's key when we're we're thinking about the wildcard teams Mm -hmm. as well, because, yeah, I mean, you know, if that's 1-1, they they play at home at Dortmund, it's 1-1, like what team are they going to put out against Leeds who are safe they haven't even got to like show respect to them because of the league or anything like they're mm. both City won the league Leeds are safe who do, who do they put out I have absolutely no idea and also so, like on that on that Leeds pitch you just don't want to chance injuries as well he's going no, to have to be exactly. careful that. that's a really good point yeah yeah um, so I just think I'm not going to get any City players in the wild card are you, are you feeling wow. the same wow no you are going to you are going to get one at least, are you? It's, yes. it's interesting. I mean, you can you can you can make a case for none. You can make a case for three. It's it's that kind, of, and you can make a case for any of them. Like early in the season, Mares, Foden, uh, you know these guys. You wouldn't you wouldn't be thinking of. You could even make a case for like Ferran Torres if you really like wanted to wanted to go down that road. I think I'm probably going to go for Diaz and De Bruyne. Uh, Diaz, I mean, I might go for Edison. He was, he was tempted. I don't want to go for Edison, but at the same time, it is a bit different now because I'm looking at keep. I'm looking at Martinez, and I'm thinking his run to the end of the season is rough, really, mm. really, really rough. So I'm looking at someone like Mendy, maybe, or maybe keeping Pope. And I'm thinking, I'm if I'm not planning. I mean, the thing with going for Edison is it locks you out of City players, right? Like you go for Edison, then suddenly you're limited in the amount of City players that you can have, but. When we're not probably not going to be considering three city players, I think it's a bit less of a, a risk and a bit less of a gamble. So I could end up going for Edison, but I, I think I will go for De Bruyne. I'm going to hope that he they you know they they play him for most of the games to keep his kind of um, form going. But yeah, Gundogan Gundogan's a, a worry though because I don't suddenly think Gundogan's a really bad pick. I think if he plays, he's going to carry on scoring well. 
I just don't know if he's going to play. And I think I'd rather have Jota in. Yeah, this is, this is the problem. I'm looking at City's fixtures here in the ticker. This is, this is the ticker from game week 30 through to 38. I haven't got the game weeks at the top, so apologies for that. But obviously it is 30 to 38. Um, and I just don't see fixtures there. I mean, the home games, they've got Leeds. Oh, yeah, they've got Leeds. Um, they've got Chelsea. They've got Everton. Um, I just, I just don't see any of those games where I'm necessarily can rely on a captaincy, right? Because because of the issues with unless it's De Bruyne, it's about the only player I would I would consider captaining in the City team. So it's about Diaz. Then do I need a City defender? And I've started looking at potential defence. And you know, you've got likes of the Chelsea defence, obviously, and you've got Luke Shaw. Um, I think Dallas is is probably worth keeping given the fixtures mm. that Leeds end the season with. So I, I just I don't know Alexander Arnold. Obviously, there's a big case for him. So I'm struggling actually to see that I need a City defender. Yes, they're reliable, but I think we've noticed of late with the rotation they've become a little less reliable, and that rotation is just going to continue. And I mean, Diaz and Stones are not going to start eighty percent of the remaining games. It's going to rotate constantly. I think. Do you not think that? No, I agree. I have Diaz. I don't know. I, no, Diaz, Diaz plays. He, he plays. The thing mm. with Diaz and Stones is they either play or don't. It's not like Cancelo. I've I've still got Cancelo, but I don't think he's worth it because he rotates anyway and he's going to rotate more. But but Diaz and Stones, I think if you've got a decent bench, if you have got Dallas, I mean Dallas, if he plays in midfield, I don't care what fixture he's got. Yeah, true. I still think he's a good option. Mm. I think you've got Shaw, you've got Rudiger, you've got Soufal, you've got plenty of players that are, that are well priced um, who can come on. And, and do well. So I, I think Diaz, there's no reason why I, I don't think Diaz can, it can be a strong pick. So I think he'll either, he'll either play. Okay, they might be a little bit frailer. Uh, but the fixtures, I mean, Palace, Newcastle, Brighton, fancy them to get clean sheets in all three of those. Chelsea don't score that many goals. And then Everton at home. I don't know. They all, the only thing is that blank, isn't it? Because if, you, if you've got two or three City players on the wild card and you've got uh, Spurs players as well, then you you know could be going into that with four players with the blank straight well, three and Ed- and Edison's a, you know someone pointed out in the chat Edison um, you need to have a backup goalkeeper Forster looks like he might have kind of got the the first choice goalkeeper spot kind of the right time because you could go with him but yeah you've got you've got you've got to be careful yeah so I referred to the Leeds pitch for the so City are actually at home to Leeds I thought they were away to Leeds in thirty I was going on there thirty one um, but yeah I mean. It's interesting what it's you say about... Mark. We're making so many mistakes tonight. It's what you said about Edison. Because <laughs> people have said with the game week double for Spurs for 32. Forster doesn't play in 33. Sorry. <laughs> That's another one. Terrible. <laughs> um, so with, with Amateur the, hour over here. With the double game week for Spurs in 32, Son and Kane we've spoken about already as being in your wild card. What's your consideration for a third Spurs player? Because for me, Lloris in the wild card... Just the way you're talking about Edison, the fact that you've got that other goalkeeper, so he's not really taking a spot that you're going to need. Lloris is in my thinking because of that very reason. But if you're going Edison, presumably Lloris isn't someone you're looking at. Well, it's, it's the same. It's, it's, I mean, if, you, if you're asking me to pick a goalkeeper between now and the end of the season, between Edison and Lloris, it's Edison. Like, every day. Like, I don't trust Spurs at all. You can... City could play there every single reserve play and they're still a better side than Spurs, in my opinion. Um, so it would be regular, I think, if, if I was going to pick a, a, Spurs, a Spurs player. I also, I also really do like uh, Lucas Moura. 
Mm. And, and, I, and I said it, I said it um, before the last, well, before the, the last game week. Um, I just look at Mora and I look at Bale and I think, which of these two players at the moment is, is Mourinho going to pick every oh, game? Oh God, he, he, love, he and, loves Mora, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Like there's no, there's no contest at all. No. No, so if if I am looking for a third Spurs, I think it's between Regulon and 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 Mora, just because I think Regulon's got what I think is the security of the starts in both those games, and Regulon. I mean, I don't want any of the other Spurs like back four, like they're all just non options to me. Lloris is an option, but yeah, I think I'd rather I'd rather go for I'd rather go for Edison. I mean, the thing is with Lloris, obviously you you've got the save points that might get the odd, you know, that will supplement what you get, what you don't get with clean sheets, I guess, and. You get the double Everton Southampton, which I think aren't bad fixtures. Um, I don't think there'll be a clean sheet away at Everton, but I think at home Southampton is possible. And then Spurs play Sheffield United, Leeds, Wolves, and Villa. I mean, three of the next four are at home, and of course you can bench Lloris then in in thirty three. That's the idea, and it doesn't. You know, you're getting three Spurs without massive. So who would your goalkeeper be? Because well, Forster was mine, but he doesn't play either. That's so what was no interesting. Good. I haven't done much. Uh, by the way, like. One of these is a good idea. Like if you're going to put your wild card together, get Excel and just put, you know, <laughs> no, and then no, not you, this again. You mentioned you were going to do. I'd do it like this if I was you. So I, I was, I just put <laughs> Louise lovely, in. Mark. So what, what I did when I'm, t- I mean, this is the first. I love bit. that you don't even ask me for mine. You just every week you just well, whack you yours can in. Throw yours in. Throw <laughs> when you do. You won't put it in like my top ten k. When you blatantly copy my <sighs> idea of doing a plan, throw it over <laughs> and I'll throw it in. Now next next week we should obviously, and then you know obviously we'll do a uh, we'll, do, we'll probably do a show and then we'll do the live stream. Um, well, I guess it'll have to be Thursday night, won't it? We'll have to do a show on Wednesday and then a drunk stream on Friday. I don't know. We'll oh, figure, God. We'll figure it out. But anyway, so I threw... Don't tell I Chris did. that. Fancy scout. When I oh, show no, you're doing... Oh, no, no, no. Exactly. Um, <laughs> full-time fantasy. It's all right. Um, so <laughs> what I did, I I picked my team to 32. I didn't even look at 30 and 31. Or 30 and that while. I didn't look at 31. 31 is when I planned to wildcard. So I just picked what team would I like for 32. And obviously that includes three Spurs. And then my plan was, well, once I know what I want for 32, I'll go back to 31 and see how I can build for that with a wildcard. What, what does my team in 31 look like? And the reserve, the keeper that I put in, Luis, was Leno, because obviously the home and away thing, yeah. so you get home fixtures. And Arsenal at home, a not bad defence. Um, we'll look at data in a minute and see if I'm that's valid. But Leno and Luis work okay. But it's interesting, I was listening to Andy's stream, and he was saying, well, a lot of people suggested Luis, but... He feels it's a bit too much money to invest in the keeper spots if you do that. But I just don't, at this stage of the season, I don't think money's that much of an issue. I mean, you were talking Edison, so presumably you feel the same. Well, I just think uh, points over, over price, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter anymore, does it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of the opposite of, of the argument. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a big argument for the, for the Leno Martinez double up as well, because mm. Martinez perfectly covers Leno. I saw when, the fixtures, yeah. Yeah, when when the fixtures. But then you're you're paying kind of five million or over for a goalkeeper who just has two good fixtures. Yeah, it, it depends. I, I still think there are there are enough premium options for us not to kind of throw money under the bus and think that it's not important. I mean you've got Fernandez, De Bruyne, uh, Son, Kane, uh, you know, there's this is Salah could come back into the reckoning at, at some point. I, I still want to be able to move for players if, if and when you know if Salah suddenly starts hitting form I don't want to be priced out of it because I've got two 5.5 million goalkeepers for example so if I can I want to just 
down. I want to have one, you know, and, and Mendy, I think Mendy or Leno mm. look like decent sort of well-priced goalkeepers to do that strategy with because the fixtures are pretty decent until to the end of the season. Yeah. Um, but if you're not worried about it, then yeah, I think something like Lloris and Leno or Martinez and Leno probably probably is the way to go. Or, or Edison. I, I still I still prefer I still prefer Edison, but he is the priciest of the lot, isn't he? Because he's six. Mm. And the thing is, um, he won't get you any sack. Well, maybe they will concede chances a bit more towards the end of the season as they. Well, not Mendy. Lack. To be fair, Mendy, no, Mendy and Edison are so, pretty similar in that regard. I, I mean, Edison might be on pens. Imagine, imagine. There is that. Well, at the end of the season, Just imagine. Well, no, I think we know he's on pens from now on. Now Aguero's made uh, his retirement. I think um, a penalty in the final game in his final home game—that's going to happen, isn't it? I mean, Do you know what? I was I was genuinely thinking today Aguero might not be an awful option to the end of the season, and the chat's going to go mad because he's he's not. I don't think City are going to play with Aguero or Jesus in the Champions League. No, they're going to play false that nine. Because isn't, that isn't first choice, right? Because mm. they're going to play false nine. Mm. So does that mean Aguero should actually play the majority of minutes between now and the end of the season in the league? Imagine. Imagine if he just is like first choice striker in the league to the end of the season. Well, I'll tell you what, that, that, that last game against Everton, he's clearly, surely he starts that and gets taken off. I they, made that, that mistake home, last year though. Yeah, but that, the crowd are going to be there, right? We think... David Silva... Yeah, true. I got him in, captained him mm, on the free hit it. last year. Awful. But I mean, he's Aguero, but he's not fit. He's not right. He's not. So he's put on a few pounds, bless him, haven't we all? But uh, I don't know if I trust him. But it's the kind of like this is the kind of thing that, that Luke and I are talking about, though. If you if you if you wanted to get in someone who no one else is going to have. Aguero, maybe I don't. Know. I don't want to advocate here, but it's, a, it's an idea. But like you say, I just don't. I don't. <laughs> I, I think you're right. I think that they will play the false nine in Europe, and I think that Jesus mm. and Aguero will, are more likely to play in league matches as a result of that. Um, I look at that and think it is set up with the with the City crowd there for that final home game. Surely Aguero starts that, um, or maybe he just comes on. I mean. I, Maybe he comes on to an ovation and scores a penalty. I don't know, but it's all set up for him, isn't it? So he can't he can't go to another Premier League team. Oh no, 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 no. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm obviously not a, a big City fan. Mm. I mean, I've got, I've got Sterling on my wall, but that moment of of Aguero, which they're replaying over and over and over again, you know. But like, I watch it every time I see it posted on one of these things. I watch it, and I still can't quite believe that that happened. It's got to be the greatest moment ever in football like unless you're a United fan I guess well, there was that goal for Trent Alexander-Arnold at Spurs that was a great moment that one when, he, <laughs> when Mane had the shot and then I don't think you saw it did you you came back in I the missed world. that one that was that was probably for me the best moment in football but oh, other than that F- <laughs> no. you missed you baby. it was the best FPL moment in my life <laughs> no, but I, I even rivals at the time. <laughs> no, true. I, I don't I don't see I mean Aguero's gonna go um America or China or a big big deal like that, or maybe he's got more to offer, maybe he'll go, you know, Spain or Italy. I don't know. I haven't really thought about his his but I, yeah, it, whether it be a factor of the rest of the season, I just can't see it. I can't see it. I would I wouldn't take a risk on him, that's for sure. And, wouldn't you? Uh, really? What no. if you were if you were Chelsea or Arsenal, you know, Arteta. No, I mean for my like, FBL team. I mean, I, 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 not I for hardly team, took a risk on him when he was fully fit. I, I'm just not, I've never been... I was going to say, Nottingham Forest in for Aguero. We'll have him. Nah, nah, no, we'll have him. <laughs> but I mean, I, 
I've, I've never been his biggest fan. It's really weird. He's had like a, an illustrious Premier League career. He's been a fantastic yeah, I, FBL asset. And, and, and Tom ridiculous. wanted me to go on to the FBL show to talk about Aguero. And I was thinking to myself, I'm the last person to talk about Aguero. I've hardly ever had him. I think, you know, probably total game weeks I've had Aguero in my FBL team are probably less than a full season. I have him now and again. And I have him for double game weeks. I never have him for a sustained run. That's great. Is it the complete is. opposite for me? Is it? It's I, always, I always move for him early after after injuries, and he, he always took a little while to get going. But I just I, I just always remember whenever he played Spurs, it didn't matter what other fixture there was that week, it would be Aguero captain versus Spurs. And when he got those four goals against Spurs, it was just like the greatest. And it's burnt me as well. I, I remember I brought him in. Um, I remember swapping Costa out for Aguero. Costa had Swansea, I think. Swansea at home, even. And I was like, Aguero's back. I'm going to get Aguero. I got Aguero in and he blanked. And Costa got like two goals and assists or something. So it's burnt me as well. But mm. it, to me, when I think about FPL, Aguero is, is, the, is the one. He is the kind of, in terms of like just the guy who just did everything. And the, like I'd watch him play and I was just, I just, lo- I just think he's brilliant. I just, I wish oh. I could be like Aguero, like on the football pitch. He's got, you know, he's just, he's so good. The thing uh, is, I think... That, I'm going to be really sad when he, when he goes. I think for me, I've always had that love affair with Kane and it always got in the way. So as soon as Kane became a heavy yeah. hitter, there's no room for Aguero for me. I never had that with, with Kane, see. It's, I, I've owned Kane for quite a lot. Kane, Kane has got me like loads of good moments in, in my FPL career, but I've never... FPL career is the only thing, FPL life, whatever it is. But I've n- I never have the same like affiliation with him as I do Aguero. I lo- I just I love Aguero. Well, I'm mean, sure Late Rise has got a shrine to him, and I'm sure that yeah. Late Rise, <laughs> if you look at these fixtures, goes, when when can I get him in for one final? I wouldn't be surprised if Late Rise has got nothing to play for in that final game week that he'll get him in and captain him for game week 38. It's the kind of thing he would do as a gesture. I wouldn't be surprised if Late Rise has got everything to play for and triple captains him for Well, yeah, that's true. 38. He loves him so much. So <laughs> but it'd be a nice, nice fitting tribute to him from one of, the, one of the big FBL managers who, who loves him as a player. Um, let's start looking at some team data because um, we talked about um, City's defence. And what's interesting is they were the top defence, right, over the season for so long. And Tuchel's influence... As soon as Tuchel came in for Chelsea, we saw him shore up that defence and he rotated and he just kept the team fresh. And now he's established them as the top defence over the season in terms of minutes per XG conceded. Um, they're out in top ahead of City and they're out on top over the last four as well. And City are down there now over the last four matches down in fifth. And I think that's an indication that with Laporte coming in and rotating with Stones, Diaz, I agree, is, I think remains nailed on. He'll get a rest every now and again. But the fact that he doesn't have a settled partner there, the fact that there's going to be disruption in the defence across the back four, I'm sure, with Mendy and, and Walker being rotated and Zinchenko and Cancelo, of course, that has disrupted them to the point where they're left dropping down the defensive ranking, rankings. And I, I that's, that's why I'm not keen on just going with, with Diaz, mm. even though he's reliable. Yeah. I mean, what, what I do like about Diaz and, and Stones and what I've always liked about the centre-back is that you've got De Bruyne putting in the, in the crosses. And Diaz's stats have been good all season. And it's surprising he's only had one goal, I think. Is it one, one goal and one assist he's got? I think it the is. assist was a, a, a block shot. And Stones is starting to rack up the goals now, but you kind of feel like it could turn and, and, be, and be Diaz. 
Can, can I just ask on the on the um, on the second chart? You got Chelsea. Uh, not applicable for mins per chance, big chance conceded. Does that yeah. mean they haven't conceded any big chances over the last four games? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what is going on there? Like, they, they, he's brought in Alonso, Rudiger, Christensen, and now they suddenly don't concede any big chances. I, I don't understand how he's done what he's done. It is unbelievable how, how well he has structured that defence. And they don't even they don't even seem that great like on paper, but they 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 clearly are. Well, it's not it's not. I guess they're defending better as a team, aren't they? And and it makes you wonder what was Lampard doing wrong that Tuchel's come in, spotted straight away, and corrected immediately. It is. It is I mean, I, I've never seen. We see a bounce, and normally that bounce is in. You know, they 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 shore things up for four or five games, then it starts reverting to the norm. But it's not yeah. happening for Chelsea, is it? It's like an immediate effect and it's transformation of that defense. I mean, under Lampard, Mendy was starting to look dodgy. I was thinking, oh dear, maybe they haven't got a good keeper no. here. Mendy was looking like he was low on confidence. James was making mistakes because he was in my team, hanging on in my team at the time. And yeah, I mean, it's very odd. It's also, very odd this, is, this, isn't, this isn't Tony Pulis who like all the no. players have turned against. This is like Chelsea's greatest ever player like must command such a respect in the dressing room anyway. And then mm. suddenly he goes and the players... I mean, you look at Rudiger and Alonso, though, two players that Lampard completely shunned from, like, from like the squad. So they obviously have got a kind of point to prove. Well, as Plaquera to an extent as well, because he wasn't getting yeah. in the team over, yeah. over James. That's right. So our, there might be a bit of that in it. Players with a real, you know, you know, you shouldn't have dropped me, Frank. Like, what are you thinking? Look, I'm capable of now. But like you say, I'd expect that to last over a couple of weeks. Not, not up until now. It's... Not to this extent. It's it is crazy. Yeah, and 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 they're just by far and away now the strongest. And and, the, and this week's fixture at home to West Brom just looks like the the most obvious clean sheet I've ever seen. Um, which is why obviously Alonso is a poster boy, and we'll look at some stats in a bit to to reveal just why we have to consider him so strongly as as the mate. If you're going to pick a differential, if you're going to make a punt and play the wild card in thirty one. Lonzo for me is head and shoulders and we'll look at that in a bit but just another thing to point out in, in the team data over the season three of the bottom defences are are key to this this game week we've got Newcastle host Spurs who are fifth from bottom Sheffield United who go to Leeds who are second from bottom and West Brom who go to Spurs who are bottom defense of our defensive data so you know Spurs Leeds Chelsea these are the teams that we're looking at for this game week to really mm provide goals and provide points. Um, and I think, you know, if, if you're not going in with two or three leads, two or three spurs, and you're not taking a punt on a Chelsea player, then you're, you're going to be worried, aren't you, with those defences on show? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think mo- most people have got, most people have got two to three leads anyway, because you had the double game, where yeah. you had the, the blank. Um, and the same with spurs as well. I think, you know, pretty much everyone who's taken this game seriously has got Kane, Kane in it at this point. Um, you know, Son, I think, is one of the most highly transferred out players because of the, the red flag. But I still think a lot of, you know, engaged managers have kept him because they kind of knew he was going to play this game. I think Bale is the, is the really tricky one. Like, I've had a lot of questions about what to do with Bale um, if you've got him in. And we touched on it a, a couple of days ago uh, because, well, firstly, he could be blocking you from, from Son um, in this game. You know, you might have even done Son to, Son to Bale. 
but secondly, you don't really want to lose Bale because if he does start in that game, uh, it's a bit of a sideways move, isn't it? And it means you haven't been able to target some of the other better fixtures. I still think if you've got Bale, I would still sell him. I would just move him for Son. Would you do? I mean, we don't know that Son is 100% fit yet and available, but if we hear training, there's training photos of him today. He'll he'll start. I I would be, I'd be amazed if he, if he's, I'd be amazed if he didn't start and I'd be amazed if Bale started, is my answer. I I can't see Bale starting because I think Moore's got, Moore's got the start and, and that's the, that's the front three, I think. Uh, They won comfortably without Bale in the team after losing twice pretty much with him in the team. I mean, he didn't start in Europe, he came on. It was a large part of, well, many think a large part of the reason why they lost because the goals came down the side he was on. I, I, I would move, I would move Bale to Son, and I'd probably do it for a hit. Is my answer. By me, I'm not sure I'd do it for a hit, but I know what you're saying because you stand that right side. They can't expose Aurier to the attack, and, and Bale does nothing to get back. He won't, and help he won't out. start. No. The only, the only chance I think he's, he's got of getting on is if Newcastle either a nil-nil at half time or if Newcastle go ahead. And I can't see that happening either. Mm. So that's what I think. And just one more thing before we move on from this. Down the bottom of the last four matches defence, Sheffield United, it's 19 big chances they've conceded in the last four matches. And we'll look at that in relation to the captaincy later on. But yeah, that is worth noting. So the attack, um, Chelsea over the season, their defence is doing well. They're still fourth overall for the attack and over the last four, they're six. So actually, you know, I, my, my instant reaction to the, the data on Chelsea was they're doing great in defence, not really threatening an attack. And it makes me look more at their defence in this game week and with the wild card than it does their attacking options. But of course, the other problem with Chelsea's attack is the rotation. And I know there's a lot of people on, on, on the community looking at the likes of Havertz and Mount and even Werner but for me, I mean, they all were very active. I think all three of them started mm. all three internationals. And, and did you see Werner's miss, by the way? Oh, my God. Wow. Mm. Not good. It's not good. I mean, it's not, it's not for the first time. It's just absolutely bizarre how a player who came to this Premier League as an elite finisher has just really just no, struggled no. for confidence, I guess. But yeah, so those three... Yeah, they are tempting. If they if they were a regular start, if we knew they were going to start, I would absolutely. And Havertz was a player I was thinking of going. You know, Gundogan to Havertz was a move that I was considering. But having seen him be so active over the break, I just I just want certainty. I want to make sure that this transfer I make for this game week counts. And so for me, it's 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 got to be Alonso over an attacking player because Chilwell started for England and Alonso didn't go away, of course. So. I mean, is that how you feel? Would you, I mean, would you consider any Chelsea attacker in the wildcard? Nope. I'm afraid not. I, I want to make a case for Havertz. I want to make a case for Pulisic or Werner or any of them, but I just, I don't know who's going to play, first of all. Like, like you just said, it's, it, it's a complete lottery. I think Havertz will probably play in that kind of 10 role-ish, but I don't trust him even if he plays. Like what? I, I'm seeing people like really taking a punt on Havertz and thinking, you know, some people are even thinking about captaining him and stuff, but like, what's the best case scenario you're hoping for from Havertz? He's not a player who's done anything this season to, to make, to make you like trust him. I think he's, I think there's potential there. We've talked about it before. I think eventually we will see the player that they bought, but it's too, it's too big of a, it's too big of a gamble for me at the moment. Werner's, 
just a, just an all option. Mount, I mean, Mount looks a solid pick. I wouldn't mm. captain him. I think he he could he could get a goal or an assist. But he was a doubt for the England game. Played the England game, did well. They've got Champions League coming up. He's becoming more and more important to Chelsea and England as well. I wouldn't be surprised if he missed out at, at the weekend too. So can I advise him as as well? I think I think you know he's, he's a good option to the end of the season. But talking about one week, every single sign points to Alonso this week. It yeah. really does. Yeah, it's a shame because Havertz was definitely in the reckoning, and and you spoke about your doubts about the Gundogan start, and that's what I was looking at as an option. And and if I thought Havertz was starting, the captaincy on Havertz isn't crazy. You say he's number ten. I mean, like Tuchel has come and said, well, he's literally a number nine. And, and, you know, in that Leeds game, I watched him and I know a few people took a punt on him there. And he, and he did, he, you know, I looked at it and thought he, he showed up. He had chances. Mm. He didn't take the chances. But you could see he was taking up positions where he will get points if he continues in that role. But I just can't imagine him getting, getting, a, getting a brace or get, no. getting a hat-trick. I just, I just can't see it. I, mm. I, you know, I, I can't visualise it. In my mind, and I think this week there's so many good picks, like you mentioned, with Spurs and, and Leeds. That I, I don't know. I, I'm mu- I'm much more comfortable of a of a Chelsea clean sheet and a, and a kind of a one nil yeah. two nil win yeah. than Chelsea really going mad against West Brom and Havertz hitting 15 points. So yeah, I, I don't know if, if you were if you were offering me right now Alonso captain or Havertz captain, I'd pick Alonso every time yeah I mean looking at that day today over the season West Brom's attack is the weakest as well so you're 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 pitching the season's weakest attack against the season's strongest defence and although West Brom over the last four have been a mid-table per, when you look at minutes per XG they've shown some threat because of obviously they're trying to fight for their lives and and Dino up front has looked like he's getting in the right positions to take opportunities, but they're so low on quality on, in charge. I mean, that Newcastle home game where both teams were just, they, they had opportunities, but they just had no quality in the final third. I can't see West Brom scoring at Chelsea. And, and they haven't got Gallagher as well, who's, who's literally been the best player mm. all season. You know, Sam Olyse has come out and said, if we stay up this year, we really want to keep him. You ain't staying up, mate. <laughs> Sorry. <Can't laughs> You're done. Um, but yeah, not having him as well is it's just it's just another it's just it's just everything just points, doesn't it, to, to West Brom not getting anything out of out of that match. It'd be it'd be a it'd be a it'd be a miracle if they got point in that match, I think. Well, he got a point at Anfield and at the time we thought that was a miracle, but then another five another five teams <laughs> went there and won, didn't they? So yeah, that's yeah. true. So oh, you're talking about Alonso, I think it's about time we looked at some data for him. So it didn't take me long to find data to kind of back up the theory that Alonso is a good pick. I mean, you can say that, you know, we're trying to sell the narrative here with, with data, but it... Oh, sell it. It's Alonso. You yeah, talk about Aguero being this guy who, who encapsulates FPL for me. Alonso is, is the other one. I, he just... I, I, so I mention it all the time. I mention it all the time, but I will never forget I was watching. I was half watching uh, a match. It was Chelsea v Arsenal. Yeah, and um, I think it was on my iPad or something. And I looked up, and a cross came in, and someone just side footed it into the goal. And I just remember thinking, "Ah, oh, Morata's got a goal." And looking down, and I look back up, and it's just Alonso wheeling away. 
And there was absolutely no reason why Alonso should have been playing in a striker position in that match in the box. It was just a, like a regular like counter-attack. Yeah, it wasn't like from a corner or something. And that's just Alonso in a nutshell. He just, he's just an absolutely ridiculous person to own because he, he just he takes free kicks. He pops up in the box. He's got an amazing finish on him. He is free yeah, kicks as FBL. well. Oh, he's just he's just great. He really is so, great. So let us have our fun for one week and let I us, know, let us pick Alonso. All the and, signs, I all know. the signs. Let us find the data to back it up. And we did. And as I said, I didn't have to manufacture this. So just looking at data in terms of expected goal involvement, last six matches, all defenders, he's ranked fourth. Now, this is the last six matches played, not the last six game weeks. So that's why Justin is in there. So it's all defenders, last six matches. Uh, and in terms of Touches in the box, he you know he's well out in front in terms of shots. Only Veltman's got anywhere near him over these last six matches. Alonso's had thirteen, Veltman's ten. Ten shots in the box as well, Alonso. I mean that's not that's not on the end of set pieces either. That's not that's not your big centre half going forward set pieces. That is him getting in the box and taking <laughs> shots. And he's also created ten chances. So he's also you know the creative side of his game. His crossing's not bad, but we never had him down for like a Luca Dino kind of character, is he? Where he's massively creative, but getting in crosses as well, creating chances. He's third for chances uh, in terms of the top 10 defenders for expected goal involvement last six matches. So he's the all-round package, isn't he? And, and in a way, I look at this and think, well, maybe he's just as likely to get an attacking return as, as Havertz anyway, given the, you know, his capabilities. Completely, because I I don't I still don't think Havertz Havertz isn't playing as a as a full on number nine, is he? He's not playing as like striker. Well, you think he? The two can't still as much, but yeah. Wow, I still I still think Havertz's best position is someone who drops down and and creates things and links things together. He's not he's not like Aguero style finisher, is he? Like always looking to make. I I, I think when they play with that system. They're looking for him to to almost link link stuff up, and actually, when you've got a player like that who links stuff up, it allows players like Alonso to bomb forward even more. I mean, I might be completely wrong about that. I'm not a massive Havertz expert, and even this season, Havertz has played in so many different positions for for Chelsea. It's hard to know exactly what his best role is, but yeah, that, that, that's that's how I that's how I think. I, I think Havertz is 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 a, is a player who will. His quality will bring other players more into the match, into the game. If I'm, as I said, if I'm picking one, I'm picking Alonso every day. Yeah, and I think when Chilwell started that game for England over Shaw, that just booked it in for me because I, I, I felt that Alonso would have to get the nod anyway. But when Chilwell's in action midweek yeah. and Alonso didn't go away on duty, um, it really did book it in for me. So I don't well, need I, any I think, convincing, to be honest. No, I, I, well, I think Alonso starts in the Champions League as well. Because yeah. I think that is, I think I think Alonso is part of Tuchel's best team at the moment because he he fits that system he plays. Just he is the perfect player for that for that system. He can't go into that Champions League game with Alonso having played not played in two weeks. I wouldn't have thought. And I I, th- I think Alonso plays and then plays in the Champions League. Yeah. Chilwell doesn't play either. That's, I mean, that's what I think. We we have obviously got the luxury of wildcarding him out in thirty one, right? But if you didn't have a wild card, would you still take the punt on Alonso no. and hold him? No, because of the cash. Just, I just, I just wouldn't do it. It's, 
I love him. <laughs> I love him to pieces, but it's too stressful every week. Like rule one of FPL, don't get in a player where every week you're looking at the team sheet thinking, oh my God, is he going to start? It's and I do one. actually think Alonso is the kind of player who could come on at half time or come on at 60 mm. minutes if they're chasing a game. Chelsea don't score many that many goals. So there could be plenty of games where they're nil-nil or, you know, one-nil down or, or struggling a little bit. Um, Chilwell, I don't think, has the full faith of, of Tuchel as well. So if Chilwell's not playing well, he could be the first person to come off for Alonso. Yeah, we've seen it, haven't we? He's, he's bought Chilwell off it. before the hour mark even. Yeah, yeah. These, these are all things. I don't want, I don't want that. I just mm. don't want that in my team. For one week, I, this is what I mean, all the stars aligned for him this week, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want him in my team for, for to the end of the season. Yeah, which means he is the darling of people with a wild card, really, because that's one of the reasons why I'm looking at him, because I know that managers without a wild card probably won't go there. So it Opportunity makes, knocks. Absolutely, makes him even more appealing. Um, okay, let's look at some player data over the season. Oh, sorry, just, go on. Sorry, just quickly, um, mm. as, as per the quote, will be on my wild card team, 100%. Will he? That'll be your Chelsea yeah, defender, yeah. not Rudiger. Yeah, why? Yeah. Why? Why Aspicoleta? As As Why Dave? As As Well, uh, first I think he's 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 the most nailed on because he's captain. Yeah, that's and given, it was. Yeah. It was It was one of the things where early in the season I, I was quite surprised that Lampard wasn't using him more because it was a back line that was lacking mm. in leadership. I thought, especially when Thiago Silva was missing kind of the odd game. Um, I remember us talking about me saying when Thiago Silva misses out, Aspicoleta is more likely to play because over James and, and all this, but I really like Azpilicueta in that centre-back, in the back three. I think that's where he can really kind of command stuff. But he can also move over to right wing-back. Who knows who, who is... Prefer- I mean, hudson Adoy's plays there, yeah. James plays there, Azpilicueta plays there, um, you know, and everyone. So, and I like his, his, his kind of threat that, that he offers. And yeah, Rud- Rudiger is, is, a, is a good option, but I think Azpilicueta just has that slight more attacking... Attacking threat. Well, he, he's nailed on. Nailed on my wild card. Until I can pronounce him, I can't possibly get him in. So that's, that, that's him. <laughs> I know Bamiang out of the equation. Um, so, yeah, this is just player data over the season looking at expected goal involvement on penalty. And the name that I highlighted there first, we've spoken about Bale, Kane, Bamford, Vafina as players that obviously going into this game week look very strong indeed. But Ian Acho is a player that suddenly made his way into almost every wild card in town, isn't he? And. Um, Quite rightly, I mean, Leicester's fixtures are ridiculously strong. We looked at the uh, the ticker for double figures and we revealed that they had, oh, let's bring that up, in fact, they had this cluster between 31, was it between 32 and 35, where they play teams that are very, very obliging. So we go to 32 and 35. Um, they're playing West Brom, Palace, Southampton, Newcastle, three home games in that run. And so I think we've got to get Vardy for that run. And it's no... It's not a big stretch then to look at Ian Nacho as well, given his price tag. So is he a player in your wild card? I, 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 still, <laughs> I still don't rate him particularly highly as a player. Uh, he's, he's a very good finisher. You've you got to give him that. And you know when he was at City, he, he kind of made a name for himself. And, but then you look at City and you think they were creating so many chances that he's bound to finish it. I, I do think this is a bit of a, a bit of a purple patch for him. Madison's back as well. Yeah. I wonder what's going to like because mm. obviously Madison fits back in that team straight away. What what really what happens with him? Actually, is his place more at risk? I, I still don't really see. I mean, he is he's kind of taken the position of Barnes, right? Bar, Barnes is out, so you would still expect him to start and, and play. 
I still think Madison and, and Vardy is, is the strongest two to go with, depending on what happens with Madison, how quickly he gets up to speed. What I do like about Ian actually is, is his price, though. Mm. And like, if you're looking at moving Bamford, um, for example, to Inacho, um, I think you know, there's, I can, I can see why, but I, I don't, I don't think I'm going to end up with with Inacho. Uh, yeah, like I said, I, 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 I find it difficult to to go for players who I don't particularly rate as a player, but being a good run of form, because I always worry that they're going to not hit, not be in that form. Yeah, I mean, and I, I think, I think. I mean, James. He's been Rich- at Leicester for years and, and not done anything. James Richardson in the chat is saying, I don't know if it's the James Richardson again, but it's hard to drop Ianacho, surely, which is a good point. In the yeah, form he's in, is. Yeah, yeah. He's not going to sure. get dropped anytime soon. But, you know, Rogers does have options like in wide areas. So he can change the system to play Madison behind Vardy, which is, you know, first choice, it's Madison in the 10 behind Vardy, isn't it? And then either wing backs with three at the back or, or wingers there. Uh, I think I don't think naturally he, he goes to a front two. He has gone to that recently because of the injury situation with Madison and Barnes. Um, so I do think that Inacho is probably a couple of bad games away from being a threat. That's the problem, and you possibly don't want that. But I guess he's so cheap that you would just bench him. Well, it's, 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 it's Inacho over Vardy. I think. Like, do you, do you need to spend that much money on Vardy when when you could have? Ianacho, because I mean, this is the thing. Like, if you've got mm. Bamford, you could just do Bamford to Ianacho, and yeah. then so with that. If you go for Vardy, I mean, I, I talked about all the premiums earlier. It's hard to have. You know, you can't have. I can't have De Bruyne, Fernandez, Kane, Vardy, Salah. <laughs> you know, as Pelicue, all, all these, all these like fairly expensive players for their position in the team. I, I don't think Var. I, I don't think at the moment there's enough between Inacho and Vardy to make me think I've got to have Vardy. But at the same time, I, yeah, it's, it, yeah, mm, I don't know. It's gonna, it's gonna come down to, it's gonna come down to the wildcard. I, I don't, I haven't currently made a wildcard team with Vardy. Have you not? So you've, no. you've gone bigger in because it's interesting. You're talking about De Bruyne, Salah. I haven't looked at either of those two players. I've gone Jota. Mm. Um, I mean, going back to my plan, I won't bring it up again because, you know, I don't want to give too much away because you haven't really thought of the idea of doing a similar plan yet. So I don't want to keep on about that. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't, I'm not looking at, at Salah or De Bruyne at the moment. And I, I'm thinking of going, I mean, it's just those fixtures, as we talked about there, that run West Brom Palace around to Newcastle is so strong for Leicester. I don't want to just go in with Ianacho in case he does get benched. Yeah. No, I get that. And it's like, I'm, I'm more inclined to look at Madison in midfield with Vardy than go with a De Bruyne or Salah at the moment. Because I just think Yotta, Gundogan, they're alternatives to both De Bruyne and Salah who are, make good cases, right? It's just whether yeah. or not, obviously, I think De Bruyne is a more certain starter than Gundogan at the moment. Salah's certainly a more certain starter than Yotta, but I don't think Yotta's not going to play. I mean, Liverpool in such malaise that I think that Jota's well, got to play. Look at Jota over the, over the international. I mean, he's been yeah. single-handedly winning winning Portugal yeah. uh, points. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Salah is I meant more, I want to have the option to move for Salah. I might not have him right. on the World Cup, but I want to, no, I still think, I, I don't want to write him off because mm. it's it's Salah and I still think he could he could play a part between, you know, if he, if he scores a couple of goals and it's a couple of games, 
it's yeah. going to be like, oh God, it's Salah. They're going for top four again and, you know, out of the Champions League maybe and, and suddenly he's, he's someone we want to get. I guess going for Vardy does allow you to swap it around, but it's harder when you've got money invested up front and you need to, you know, kind of move all the funds around around your team. Yeah. And I, I, I think, yeah, it, yeah. Iheanacho could rival Vardy. What, I, what I'd want to see is a few more games of Iheanacho, but we don't really have that luxury if the wild card's coming. But I would be more, I would be, yeah. I, I think Madison, Madison is in for me. You're going anyway. to get Madison in on the World Cup? Oh, he's my boy. Really? He's my boy, Mark. He's, with those fixtures, there's not, I, I, I can't see any way in which I won't end up with Madison if he's fit for, 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 in my, my World Cup team. I'm buzzing for it. I haven't owned him all season. Yeah, it's funny, Imagine. actually, when you, when you talked him up, he came back in and he did absolutely fire for a run of four or five yeah. matches and you didn't get him and you must have regretted that. But he's always yeah, struck me as a man. player that, I don't know, he has bursts and I think they're quite hard to predict. And when you expect him to fire, he doesn't quite deliver and then he'll get a goal away at Liverpool or something like that and really take you by surprise. I think... Well, the, did you see his interview he did? Yeah, yeah. The, the interview he did where he said, you know, I've been talking to my attacking coaches and I'm getting more up front and I want to score more goals. I mean, he's on everything. He's on free kicks. He's on corners. He's like, he should be like per- the perfect FPL player. He's just, he's so... A bit like when Sigurdsson was a Swansea yeah. and he just took everything and, you know, I mean, he's playing for a better team than, than Swansea were at the time. I re- and I really, the thing is, I really rate him. I, re- I, I, I used to watch him in the championship for Norwich and I knew he was good. And so that's why I had him when he first joined the Premier League. I thought he was going to be a big player. And I just love everything about I love his interviews. I love his, his the way he carries himself on the pitch. I think, he, I think he's class. And... With the opportunity to bring him in, I'm, I'm well up for it. So yeah, he, he's definitely in. It's, it's just what I do with the other... Because I, I think you're right. I think you, we, need to, we need to be thinking how can we maximise our Leicester mm. potential because they, their fixtures are so good. So you've got Vardy, you've got Iheanacho, then you've got the defence as well. Uh, Not going know, there. Fofana, Soyuncu. But you don't rate them either. Well, so, I so, mean, yeah. I might go Smichael. I don't, I don't like Smichael. I don't really want him, but... You're not going to go Smichael. No, I mean, the keepers... <laughs> I just... I look at the Leicester defence and, and Pereira obviously offers an attacking threat, right? So he is one player that you can look at. But I, um, yeah, I, I don't, just don't trust the defence. I, I, I'm happy to load on the attack. And Madison is certainly tempting me as well. Because you're absolutely right, I, I like him as a player. I've just never been able to hit his returns. I've always seemed to miss them. And he's one of those players as well, when you watch him, you think, oh, he looks amazing. Creating plenty. He blanked, but I'll keep faith in him. Watch the next game. Oh, he looks amazing. He yeah. created plenty. I'll keep faith. You watch the third game. Yeah, I'll keep. And he just plays really well, doesn't return. And you, then you never want to get rid of him. And then it's like, oh God, I've kept him for four blanks in a row. And that's the problem with him. Yeah. No, that's exactly. And we sort of see it. It happens with Ziyech. Yeah. He's that kind of player. Um, Odegaard as well. He's probably going to enter into that, that, that thing. A player who looks, every time you watch him, man of the match. All the commentators talking about him. You watch him for God, what an amazing player, but never quite does. The thing with Madison as well is he drops deep quite a lot as well. Mm. So he likes to orchestrate things in midfield. So if, if things aren't quite going Leicester's way, he drops back and makes things happen with deep position, which is awful for FPL. It's great for Leicester, but it's not, it's not great I for I tell you why us. he tempts me as well. It's the England squad, right? Because I think he's, he's, he's surely, I mean, it's the same for Grealish as well. Grealish and Madison would have sat there watching England play these three matches. On the sidelines thinking, oh, I'm, I'm close to fitness, I'm close to return. I've got eight or nine games now where I can try and push. Both of those two players, I think, could fly over the final period. 
Because they're the kind of players who can, if they want to lift themselves, give that extra 10% and affect matches, they can do it. Completely agree. And and England squad-wise, Grealish on the left, no-brainer, right? But obviously he's got the, the uh, Sterling-like mm. competition going on. So if, if Southgate decides to play Sterling and suddenly he's got the three in midfield, Henderson, Rice and whatever, I, I don't think it is a clear winner between Grealish and Madison for that, for that top, of, top of the three. No, I don't, because Madison is more comfortable playing in that position anyway. He, I'll he, give you that. Madison, Madison you that. thrives in that mm. kind of central area. And I'm not saying Grealish can't do it. I think Grealish is absolutely class, but I think it's Grealish on the left or it's a difficult decision between him and Madison in, in the centre, personally. I don't think Madison is near yet. He's near the 11. I don't think he's even in the squad at the moment. I think he's got lots to prove, which is why... I know, of course, of course. But I I, I think (laughs) this is why he is a player that I am going to consider because I think, like, you know, he's he's like a Lingard. He's a player who, who, when he's on it, he can add that extra and and it shows. And you said yourself, you you talked about his coaching and how he wants to get more goals and assists. When you you hear a player talking about, I want to get more goals and assists, you've got to take him seriously. It's great, isn't it? I, my eyes just like, well, my ears, my eyes are like, oh, Madison wants more goals. Oh, this is great. Yeah. Well, it's just when he, when he says goals, it's like, it's like, you might as well say, I want to be a better fancy player. Might as well say that. That's what he's, and then it's really yeah. talking our language. Well, I mean, pl- plenty of people in the, in the chat say about Mount as well. Mm. Yeah. Well, so you- the, 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 the competition for that, oh, for that huge. 10 role is, is, is massive. And um, like you say, like, um, you know, there's people saying in the chat as well, Madison might not even make the squad. No, I don't think he will. I mean, yeah, he might. So you've got to think he's going to have to have a strong end to the season. If Huge, he wants to get yeah. it. I mean, Mount's got agree. the shirt at the moment. I think Mount's got it over Grealish at the moment. So Grealish has got a point to prove, I think. But, you know, wherever I go there, I just don't know. I live in a real it's world. It's an exciting world. school, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right, let's, um, let's look at play data last four games. And this is why Inacho, so look, look at him, he's right up there, second in terms of minutes per expected goal involvement non-penalty over the last four matches. Like you say, is it just a purple patch or can he sustain it over the run that we looked at, those run of fixtures? It's, it's really difficult to nail down. It's very hard to back against a striker in form. True. Because, because I, I, you know, I know we hear all this stuff about, you know, there's no such thing as form and all that. Strikers are all about confidence. And I, I can remember um, years ago when I had uh, Odian Igalo in my team and he was absolutely smashing it. And he came to a really, really rough run of fixtures. Uh, and I got rid of him because I was like, there's no way he's going to st- sustain this. He just kept scoring like every week. And like mm. he's playing for Watford, like, no, no real reputation and stuff. And just kept on doing it. It's, it's very difficult to, you know, if I had Ian Acho in my team, would I be selling him on a wild card? Given what he's oh, given? No, no, of course not. No. Well, exactly. So why wouldn't I be considering him on a wild card if, mm. if I... If, if I had him, it's, it's kind of going against, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? That's the psychological aspects. It's two different. And, and maybe you're right. It. I mean, we're looking at um, going Vardy or, and actually maybe the price tag just blinds us. Maybe we think well, Vardy's on penalties and he's, he's the more expensive. So he's the one to go for. Yeah. But on current form, there is no doubt who you go for. If I was wildcarding this week, I'd have Ianacho over yeah. Vardy. Right. Because you're going to go bigger in midfield than me. That's why yeah. you're, you're going to go with De Bruyne or Salah. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, I still, like I said, I still, I still do feel a bit weird about it because I don't particularly rate Ian Acho. Mm. Well, so, we'll see. 
Well, we're going to see a bit more of Kane. Kane. you want. Yeah, we're going to see <laughs> a lot more Kane, Son, and Rafina and Bamford when we look at the uh, the captaincy. I think um, we'll do our predictions first, and then we'll get onto the captaincy and our teams. So um, let's just look at the predictions table as it stands. 105 matches played between us now, as, and I am 34 points ahead. I'm just doing the maths there. My maths was correct. I don't know how I'm 34 points ahead. Your percentage correct has dropped down to 44.8. I'm still hovering just under 50%. And uh, correct scores 14.3% to your 6.7. You're lagging so that's why That's why your points are ahead, because you're killing me on the correct yeah. scores. Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> okay. Sorry. Uh, yes. Yeah, sorry. Um, let's look at this week. Let's see if you can pull it back with this week's fish. It seems ages ago since we did predictions. I know. Um, so let, let's see if you're bringing your A game for these ones. Um, okay. So what's a problem with the captaincy for me is I almost want to look for any reason not to go Kane, right? I'm always looking at, and I've got to say, Rafina, Alonso, these are players, Bamford, that attempt me. The problem is... Alonso, Rafinha and Bamford all play first. They play on Saturday. You've got the early kickoff. Then you've got... And that shouldn't be a problem, right? If I went on Twitter and said, oh, I'm not, I'm selecting my captain because I, I don't want him to go in the first two games, I would start an argument almost <laughs> as if I was, you know, talking about effective ownership, that kind of argument, you know, that kind of beef that I would set off. It would be one of those again. Yeah. So maybe I should just to try and see what it's like when you experience. But but yeah, I don't want to feel that, but I do. I just like, I, I just don't want my game week to be almost, you know, ruined two games in. So it I is would a love, I would love to say to you right now that you're an idiot yeah. and you should never think of it, but I feel exactly the same way. I hate captaining a player in the early kickoff. Mm. And I know it can set you up well and all that stuff, but it's, it's, I, like, I like the hope and the optimism that's extinguished on Monday at 8pm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I live for that. Yeah, especially when it's a differential as well. If, if you, you know, it's, it's one thing captaining like Salah in, in the early game, but like captaining like Havertz in the early game, like Salah blanks and everyone else has... has Done it. You kind of feel a, you go a down together, a, basically. Yeah, a thing. And and you know, after all my talk about EO and all this stuff, I I, I don't like to say, but it's it it's a psychological aspect to the game. It's it's the community. It's everything. I try and not base my decisions on that, but there is you have to acknowledge there's a psychological. But it, it, it comes down to, that. and this is one of the things that we don't appreciate. Right, we play this game for fun, and I know yeah. it's almost like we forget that. It's almost like we go. We take the enjoyment and fun factor out of it because it's almost like, well, it's not hip or cool to talk about playing the game for fun. But we do. I mean, it's like this. I, if, if I didn't enjoy it, if I didn't get some sense of joy from playing fancy football, I wouldn't play it. Because to be honest, it warps my enjoyment of football so much that it's got to give me something back in return. And it does. It gives me back loads and it allows me to do this with you. It allows me to engage with a great community and have fun with everybody. And it's brilliant. I absolutely love it for that. But I want to enjoy my weekend and to enjoy my weekend. I don't want it ruined by my captain flunking in the first game. But every single person who listens to this pod, I don't care what they say on Twitter, Mm. will, will agree with that. We'll I, I know they will, but it's not very black box, is it? Because black box is, what are you doing bringing that kind of 
theory and, and emotion into your thinking. That is absolutely crazy. And I want to resist it. I want to fight against it. And I want to go, I think Alonso or Rafinha are the best captain, so I'm going with them. Doesn't matter when they play. I almost don't want to look at the kickoff times. But it is a factor and it's... I'm, I'm I'll, I'll tell you the exact trouble. The trouble is, right, you captain Havertz against West Brom and Havertz blanks, right? So then you're watching Spurs Newcastle, oh, terrified yeah. that Kane's going to blank. You captain Havertz versus West Brom and Havertz gets 18 points. You're then watching Spurs and Newcastle, hoping that Kane doesn't do anything because every goal he does chips away at your massive green I know, arrow I, you've got. I so know. There's, no, there's no win. There's no win for you, no matter what Havertz does in, in that first I game. I know, and then this <laughs> is where, when we talked about effective ownership last week with the captaincy, and I said I picked Kane because I didn't want, I wanted to enjoy that Newcastle game. I think it's a very valid reason. It's not valid in terms of, the optimal way of playing. Sorry, I didn't want to mention that. Ooh, but, drink. But, and it, and it, really, <laughs> it really isn't. And I totally agree. And there'll be people out there taking their eyes off their mathematical models, shaking their heads now, as I said that, right? I understand it's not the way of playing, but I want to enjoy playing this game. So therefore, I'm going to pick my team and my captaincy and my transfers with that as a factor, I'm afraid. And that probably means I'm never going to win it, right? But... I'm going to enjoy it more by doing that. I have to, I have to say, though, to, to the flip side of that, is that in some ways I do find it a bit of a relief after my captains played in the first game, even if they've planked. Because when I have to wait until Spurs-Newcastle or, or on Sunday, I'm so like... I don't know. I'm so wired to that game. And then I watch the game and it <laughs> starts. And then I'm so weekend. stressed. Oh, yeah, I know that they're not going to get anything. And then they blank. And then I'm like, well, now I just feel even worse than if I had done, if, if, if I had captain, if I had gone the, 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 the psychology of the captaincy. And I, and I, and I think it was, it was Mode who said when I was on the show with him, I was on Wolfpod, he hates the captaincy and he, he, he would rather not have it. And I do think there is a lot of psychology tied up in that because you're picking one player that you're betting on to get you double points and that can override and spoil your enjoyment of the game week. There's no doubt about it. And that for me is always a factor. When I pick my captain, I think, how can I maximize my enjoyment of this set of fixtures? And actually it does play into my decision, which is really bad because that, that shouldn't do. And the whole point of this show is we're taking that out of things. But I think you've got to, I think it's important to acknowledge that and say that. We're getting slammed on the chat, Mark. Yeah, I'm sure um, we are. Very, sure very unblack. I know it totally is. It totally is. So I am going to try and fight against it, but I just wanted to mention that because it's in my mind for Chelsea West Brom. But anyway, I'm going to go first, and I'm going to I'm going to say two nil Chelsea. Very dull, Lawrenson's prediction, but that's what I will go with. Uh, I was going to say two nil. Mm, I bet you were, and I will. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Fine. I I don't see Chelsea winning by a route because they're not getting many goals and their manager out, won't they? And I just can't see West Brom scoring unless they get something off Bartley, a set piece or something, but I just can't see it. Uh, Leeds, Sheffield United, I'll let you go first. I've got stronger opinions on this one. Have you? Yeah. Interesting one. Um, Sheffield United, they put up a a bit of a fight, didn't they, in the FA Cup game against, against Chelsea, but ultimately lost that. Leeds, again, a bit, bit of a funny one. We're never really sure kind of what we're going to get at the moment, especially now they're, they're pretty much safe uh, and all that. But I mean, I'm not going to back against them, them to win it. Uh, so I'll go for another 2-0, another 2-0 Leeds. I'm going to go 4-0 to Leeds. Wow. 
I I just think you've got to be considering Bamford or Rafinha captain. Then, I right? am. I am wow. very much so. Yeah, which is why you know I wanted to lead on that rant about you know that being a factor because I want to go Rafinha. I think, and I think I will end up going Rafinha. You'll see in a bit that it's on Kane, but I want to go Rafinha. I do think Leeds win this by a big margin. I, I just look at the. 19 big chances conceded in the last four for Sheffield United. The fact that I know this is a derby, but there's no crowd there. It's a difficult surface upon Leeds have obviously got more time to get used to it. I look at the fact that Rafinha and Bamford haven't gone away for internationals. And in fact, you look at the number of Bielsa squad that has gone away and it's quite a small manageable number. So Bielsa's had two weeks with that team and Sheffield United will go there. And I think if there's an early goal, there could be a cave-in again. And um, we saw them lose heavily at Leicester. So I I think I'm going to go a heavy victory for Leeds. I'm going to go 4-0, which, yes, absolutely. But I think Bamford Something. and Mathena are good captain picks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Leicester-Man City, it's tricky because Man City will have one eye on Dortmund. Absolutely. Leicester's obviously got plenty to play for still. So I'm going to go a one-all draw. You're going to go one all Leicester yeah. City. I have. Interesting. I, I'm not. Um, I'm going to go three one City, uh, and I'm going to back at least two players to get double digit holes <laughs> to, to take Leicester's <laughs> tally of double digit holes exactly. conceded to twelve at uh, exactly. home matches. Okay, fair yeah. enough. And that will probably link into maybe your captaincy chat in a bit. Arsenal versus Liverpool. I think this is a tough one to predict. I mean, in in days of old, this was a five, six goal thriller. But under the guidance of Arteta and with Liverpool out of form, I just can't see a similar scoreline. Um, I think Liverpool will win it. I'll go 2-1 Liverpool. Hmm. Yeah, I've still done well in, in these games. I have, actually. I've been impressed with them. Um, Liverpool... I don't know. I, I, I don't know what Liverpool are going to turn up. I, I, I refuse to believe that Liverpool are just going to like end the season like limp and, and crash out of Europe and finish like eighth in the league. It just, it, just, it just seems completely ridiculous that that could happen, but it's a possibility. Um, at the same time, I like, I like a, lot of, a lot of what I've seen from Arsenal and, and the second half against West Ham... You know, they, they completely fell apart in the first half, but the second half, they're amazing. I mean, yeah. Odegaard, mm. I bought in Odegaard thinking he could he could maybe get me an assist or something. Um, he could have easily had a double-digit return in that West Ham game. He was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I'll go for a 1-1, nice and safe. I don't think either team is is massively ahead of, of the other at the moment. I think they're both kind of on equal footing. So I'll just back a draw. Yeah, and you're right, Arteta's done well in the big games. Um, so, I mean, I think... 2-1 might be optimistic for Liverpool. I do, Liverpool are becoming the hardest team to predict because you just do not know what's going to turn up, whether they're going to have an end product or not. But I will, I will go with a victory for Liverpool. I think, I think it, you're right. It's hard to believe that they're just going to fizzle out. Much depends on where they... But then we've said that for like I 10 know, weeks. We, we keep <laughs> saying, oh, yeah, they'll turn it around and they haven't, turned, they haven't done it. Jota could be a key figure now, though. I just think that him, him returning when yeah. he has and in the form he's already shown, Portugal, he could be the key figure there. Um, he's got to be in my wildcard, I think. If you don't go Salah, it's got to be Jota, I think. You've got to back Liverpool, I think, with the fixtures that they got. 
and Jota's just more palatable at the price. Uh, Southampton Burnley. Oh, dear me. I mean, it, <laughs> to a garden centre near you, isn't it? At 12 <laughs> midday. That's perfect because you can get a cream tea in and get home for the Newcastle Spurs game. Uh, when you've got Kane captain. So get out to your garden centre, get your conifers and your cream tea in, and then get back for that. But if you must watch Southampton Burnley, I would expect a 1-0 Southampton. But I've got Nick Pope in this, and actually I'm quite optimistic I might get something out. It might be a Burnley, you know when Burnley go to an unexpected mm. and get a clean sheet and Pope gets a haul? It could happen, but I think Southampton win 1-0. It's great. I think, uh, you know, that we, you could definitely do an FPL black box like bingo card. Big garden center, spreadsheet, EO. <laughs> yeah. Uh, me saying it's difficult, people like, all that kind of stuff. There's yeah, needs to be some that, kind of yeah. drinking game or no, I haven't. And yeah, uh, I've been well. I've been monitoring myself. Thank you. Yeah. Uh difficult, this one. Oh, I knew you'd say that. <laughs> uh I'm gonna back a Burnley win. Oh yeah, I, exactly. This is the kind of game I look at and think. You know, Chris Wood off his elbow, one nil, Nick Pope heroics could definitely be that, couldn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to back a 1-0 Burnley, uh, Nick Pope heroics, Chris Wood yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Genuinely, yeah. I, I, I think Burnley will nick this. I think they'll nick it. I mean, it could be 2-1, um, but I'll back them with a clean sheet as well. It's a shame. Say, we, can't, we can't have any goals off the elbow anymore because of VAR. They've Another reason VARs ruin football. Absolutely. None of those fluky goals off the arm that the referee doesn't <laughs> notice. Uh, Newcastle versus Spurs then. Presumably... Kane captains are going to back a heavy victory here. I, I just don't know. I mean, the problem I've got with this is my head is telling me, no, my heart is telling me that Newcastle are fighting for their lives, right? And they're not going to give an inch and they're going to, you know, they're going to defend stoutly and just not give Spurs any room and Spurs will struggle to break them down and there'll be a bit of magic from Kane and Son and Spurs will win 1-0. But my head is telling me that Bruce has lost it They've got no Isaac Hayden and Newcastle are just going to fall apart and it's going to be a rout. I'm going to go with my heart, though. I'm going to go with a 1-0 win for Spurs. I'm not going to go for heavy win. Okay. Uh, so, to me, between now and the end of the season, Newcastle are the team to target. You feel, you're really sure about that, are you? They're bad. Like, I know they're that. Bad. But are they worse <laughs> than Sheffield United and West Brom? Yeah. You do think that? I, th- I think they are and you know I, I've been chatting to I've got I've got a friend up in Birmingham who's a big Newcastle fan I was talking to Tom who does the, the FPL show big Newcastle fan and both of them said exactly the same thing is their biggest problem is that Newcastle don't look like they're being coached Ooh. they don't look like they have any plan whatsoever to deal with it like they look at defending they don't seem to know where their best positions are they can't attack because they don't know like where their players are supposed to be um and to an extent, that's been a little bit of a problem with Spurs in that I remember um, one of the players, maybe Al Devirel, saying that they don't intend to be a park the bus team. They just kind of end up like that way or, or something like that. And it's like, well, surely you know what your identity is. Surely that's drilled in by the, the coach. And that's one of the reasons why I think Mourinho is not so university liked within the Spurs fan base and why I don't particularly like him, um, you know, as, as, as the coach of Spurs. I don't really know what he's trying to get them to be. Um, but yeah, I'm looking, if you're looking at two teams who aren't particularly well coached. One of them's got a much better squad than the other. And I fancy Spurs to, to run out comfortable winners in this. I mean, earlier in the season they played, do you remember how many shots Spurs had in that, in that match uh, at, at Spurs? 
Um, I think they, I think they, they just about got over the line. I think was so, that was the game when someone off injured at half time, mm. and it was a bit of a, a nightmare. But they could have won that game four or five nil. Newcastle were a much worse team than they were then. I'm gonna go for a four nil Spurs. Four nil Spurs. Yep. And I, and that is rare for me. I do not often back a heavy Spurs win. I think wow. they're just gonna. I just think they're gonna trounce them. Well, if that happens, that's going to absolutely ruin my Sunday because if I don't go Kane captain, there's no way Kane stays quiet in a 4-0. Um, okay, well, we'll see. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I know it could go that way. It could get really messy. It depends. I mean, you'll be able to tell in the opening 10, 15 minutes how it's going to go. You know, if, if, if there's lots and lots of chances, if Dubrovka's called into saves in the first five, 10 minutes, then it's going to get be. bad. Yeah, I, 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 I suspect be. you could be right. But equally, I... I it's just can Spurs, it's, can Spurs put those chances away? Can they actually oh yeah, I mean, go for it and really make it count? And I, I'm, I'm going to... It's rare for me to back Spurs to do that, but I am in this. I, I, if, if Newcastle give up chances, Spurs will win heavily. I'm banking on Newcastle fighting for their lives and having a bit of spirit and heart. But you're saying Bruce has kicked that out of them weeks ago. Yeah. Right. That's exa- that is exactly what I'm saying. Mm. Okay, well, we'll see. I'm still sticking to 1-0 Spurs, foolishly. Villa oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> versus Fulham. Uh, yeah, Grealish back, I think. Did Dean, Dean Smith kind of said he's back, didn't he? He's, he's kind of hedging his bets again. But I think Grealish is going to be back for this one. And he's got a point to prove, as we've said, with the you know, missing out on the England games. He'll want to reinstate himself as what he was before, which was the player of the year contender. But Fulham... Plucky Fulham are still in the mix. And if Newcastle do get absolutely routed by Spurs, then Fulham will get the opportunity to close the gap. Villa aren't great shakes at the moment. And I think Fulham, again, every game, every time I look at Fulham's fixtures, I think Fulham can get something here. And I think it again, it's just whether they can score a goal. Fulham just don't have a cutting edge. But I will go one all. I think Fulham will get something. Really disappointed that Fulham couldn't get anything. Well, I say disappointed. Disappointed in Fulham. Not disappointed as a Brighton fan. Great that they lost to Leeds, but they mm. should have got something out of that game yeah. for sure. I do. I had a look at the league table because in my mind, Fulham were, you know, kind of really bravely fighting against it. I don't know. They're 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 falling. They're quite far adrift. They really do need Newcastle to lose every match. Well, uh, apparently they're going to, according to you. But yeah, which I, I don't think is a is a complete you know ridiculous thing notion. But Fulham do need to start winning and. You know, if Villa do have Grealish back, I'm not. I'm not sure this is going to be the game in which they do it. Uh, I'm going to back a Villa win in this one. I'm going to back a one nil, one nil Villa. Um, Andy's just given us two quid and said, "I never said six foot four. What's he talking about there, as? Do you know what he's on about? What's Andy? Andy's in the chat saying something about references. I have absolutely no idea, no, but I do no, know no. you can afford more than two quid. Oh, I was going to say, so give a, a very successful YouTube. Yeah, give a us a couple of zeros on that, Andy. Yeah, maybe give us a five and tell us what you meant by that. Um, okay, <laughs> so uh, let's go to um, Man United. Mark's height, they're saying. Oh right, you wish. He wish he was six foot four. <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, I once went for a gym indu- induction, and um, I've been to a few of those in my life, and. Uh, as you can see, with no effect whatsoever. <laughs> um, but the guy who gave me the gym induction, induction, that's the right phrase, was about five foot two. So he was a typical gym instructor, very height? stocky. But no, right, he was five. <laughs> and, he, and he measured me and he, and he didn't like the fact I was taller than him. And he measured me and I went, oh, he said, do you know what your height is? I said, I think I'm six foot. And he went, 
No, you're five foot eleven and three quarters. I mean, five foot, <laughs> what a yeah! Just because he was five foot two, it's like yeah, ridiculous. I yeah, I'm not six foot four. I'm five foot eleven and three quarters. Are you really? Si- are you really six foot tall? I'm five foot eleven and three quarters. I've just told you, <laughs> um, but I'm not six foot four. Yeah, you've met you've met me. I've met, I mean, I've met you. I, I'm I'm six foot. I thought I was quite a bit taller than you. Well, we'll have to have a tall off when we next meet. Won't we? we will. We will. Be those yeah. Cuban heels that I'm going to wear when I meet you next. <laughs> uh, Man United, Brighton. This is tough, actually. Man United, Brighton. Because I mean, I looked at some of the uh, the statistical models before um, before coming on the show, and Fernandez is ranked very highly in the captaincy conversation. Rate my team has in top, but I just don't see it. I just think Brighton's defence. And the fact that they go there and go, well, we want to point out this game. They, I don't, I'm not sure Brighton will get anything out of it, but I think they'll restrict United effectively. So I think this is a win for United. I'm going to let you go first, though. Go on. What do you think? Alice is going to go. Yeah, and a few people ask me this. How do you think? How do you think Brighton are going to be getting on? Obviously, I've got Trossard and Dunk in my team, who were kind of left over from from last week. Uh, I don't think it's going to be high scoring. At all, I don't think you know. I don't think United are going to win this three or four nil. I say that pretty much every every like big game Brighton play because I think we 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 offer something different to a lot of teams in the league, and that mm. we we irritate and we frustrate and we push and we force teams back. And actually, I look at United and I think they're not they're not going to cope with that very well. And they didn't cope with it very well early in the season, and then got that penalty. Remember in like the last. In, minute, in, which, in stoppage time. Oh, it was it was so mm. annoying. Um, so I think we'll score. I think they'll score. But I do think they'll probably I think they'll probably have a bit too much for us. So I'll go for a two-one. I don't see uh, Brighton scoring goals like Fulham. That's the trouble. But they didn't have any issues against Newcastle, did they? With the striker scoring and and Trossard weighing in as well. Uh, I will go. I will go one-nil United. I don't think it's going to be a big victory. I think. I think. Brighton will keep them tight and United will get a late goal second half. Everton versus Palace. Uh, again, I'll let you go first. I've got great hopes for this one, so but I'll let you go first on that one as well. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a, a good stat, isn't it, about um, Palace's, the amount of headed goals they concede and the amount of headed chances they concede. And you look at Calvert-Lewin, you look at the amount of headed goals he scores, and you look at players they've got. I mean, you've got Hammers back, you've got Dean there, you've got all these guys knocking mm. balls in. Uh, I fancy Everton to, to win this pre comp be honest, oh, yeah. I'm going to back 3-0, 3-0 Everton. They're weak on set plays as well from corners and you've got a big threat there from Everton with Mina and so on and the delivery. Sigerson I haven't got Calvert-Lewin and I'm, I'm a bit worried. Mm. Well, I'm going in with Dino and Calvert-Lewin and I've got great hope for Monday, um, but we'll see. They, Everton, and the trouble is when you bank on Everton, you know what happens, right? So I know. 1-0 Palace. Oh, Especially God. at home as well. They're a nightmare at Goodison. Yeah. I don't know what's wrong with them at home. But I'm not going 1 0 Palace Pot Noodle, correct that. I am going to go for a victory for Everton and I'll go uh, a. <laughs> I've got to your first answer, Mark. I'll go 3 1. I think Palace will score, unfortunately. Three, one. Yeah, 3 1. That seems like a nice score. I haven't picked that for ages. Uh, Wolves, West Ham, 2 0 West Ham. Straight away, no doubt. Wolves don't score. West Ham, Jesse on fire. Antonio will get one from two yards out again. Although he hit the post the last time he was two yards out. But yeah, I will go 2 0 West Ham for that one. 2-1. 2-1 West Ham for me. I think Wolves will get one. They've done well, haven't they? West Ham. I haven't well. got too much sort of insightful stuff to say. I just I just think Wolves will, will get one. I don't often bat them to score. Uh, but yeah, I think 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 they will. This, this is it, isn't it? It's like Neto is a player that we have to consider with the fixtures they've got coming up. 
And yet mm. every time I look at them, I think, where are they going to score from? Mm. It is only Neto, but... Is he a slight injury doubt? Did I see that? Is, did, he, did he go off with a bit of a bit of an injury? I haven't seen in that yet. International? I don't think anyone's bringing him in for this game week, but certainly with the wildcard in 31, those who are playing it, he's going to be in the reckoning. But I've, I'm just wavering now. I mean, the fixtures are strong for them, but I just, I'm so unconvinced by Wolves. That, that, to me, they're the most disappointing team this season. Because I went into the season thinking, yeah, yeah. Traore's going to step up a level and he has gone back, he's regressed. Yep. I was thinking the wing-backs are going to be a factor this season and they sold them both. Well, one got injured, one got sold. Yep. And obviously Jimenez injury probably set them back. That was probably the turning point and that was very unfortunate. And we hope to see him back and hopefully next season they'll pick up where they left off. But they have been a major disappointment for fancy managers. And obviously I think Wolves fans well, would be disappointed as well. I mean, not just fancy managers. Yeah. Yeah, they were. I mean, you, you know, your, your, your brilliant list of double digit returns had Wolves having the most potential for the period they've got of good mm. fixtures, but also an earlier... Um, thing you showed had defenders as being the most likely ones to get the double digit returns right well they defenders have weighed in with more than I expected um, yeah this season, so the likes yeah. of Sace I think um, could act, you know I think Sace over Neto for me is someone that I'm, I'm actually considering well, because I'd, I'd never back on Wolf scoring but they don't concede that many no they don't that and- many what, what is it, what's happened to Connor Cody? Why is he subtly going forward from corners and getting chances? Because he's in the mix now, and, I, and at the moment I've got him. And it's just over recent games. It's like they've done what Brighton did to Lewis Dunn. They go, oh, yeah, you're quite tall. Why don't you get in the box for corners? It's like really bizarre. It's yeah, the, yeah. Suddenly Connor Cody's getting in the box. And, and before, I don't know, did he not go up for corners? I mean, he was never a it's, factor I don't know. until well, recently. John Stones as well, right? Like John Stones never well, scored a goal and now suddenly he's up there Stones know, was, goals in and whatever. Stones was always in the mixer, but Cody was, was the one I thought stayed back and they, he let Bolly and Sice go forward, but not happening. Samedo Sema- is one of my biggest disappointments oh. of the season because in our group chat, Luke said to me, start the season, don't get Samedo, he's crap. And I went, nah, Lou, he's right wing back. He's playing for Wolves. He's going to get, you know, quite a few assists. Going to probably get a couple of goals. Nope. <laughs> yeah, awful. I, I was absolutely um, awful. I was, was on so the right. official podcast with Julian Law and who knows, um, he knows Samedo very well. And I picked Samedo out just on the basis that he was right wing back for Wolves. I say, yeah. no, he's coming in. Yeah. He could be one to watch. If he, if he slots into the Doherty role and he, he can mirror Doherty's you know, presence in the final third. He's got to be a player we've got to look at. And he shook his head, although I couldn't see it. He was shaking his head and he disagreed because he was such a bad defender. And I, and he is a bad defender. He's not the best, right, defensively. And and it's and he's he was dead right. He's been a big disappointment. He has, he's, he's, bad, he's bad defensively and he's been bad offensively. But yeah, he's played pretty much every game. Yeah. He, he, he shows promise. Like he has good matches and he does look threatening. But his end product just isn't there. He's he's not in the in the same league. He's in Barcelona for so long as well. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's talk about go. the captaincy uh, to end the show on before our teams. Uh, this is the new captain matrix. If you weren't watching Sunday's show, you missed a cracker, by the way. Better, much better than this. Um, then basically, this is the new captain matrix. This is what we're doing. Uh, from now on, we are going to look at differential picks alongside the popular picks every week. Just a sanity check that we're doing the right thing because 
I, I do think we kind of pigeonholed ourselves to just look at maybe four or five players every week. And actually, we should be appreciating the likes of, well, this week, Alonso, Havertz, Mount, Rafina, Calvert-Lewin, um, and including them in the mix. Look what you can do when you free yourself from EO. I know, I feel... I feel liberated, and and <laughs> and when I put the captaincy on Kane, I'm going to feel you know feel like I gave in. Yeah, I mean that's the problem. I look at this and think, yeah, all those are very good, but Kane and you put it to the four 0 against against Newcastle is still the stronger candidate. I, I it's the same scenario as last week in that I think Kane is the most likely to deliver points. Can Rafina and Alonso outscore him? Yeah. I think they can. How likely is that? I don't know. Is it strong enough? The only the only thing that has me going towards a risk this week is that it was in my plan to do that. Because I look at my team and we'll see in a bit. I feel confident about my 11 to the extent that I think I could be more bold with the choice of captain. So I may well branch out, but more of that in a minute. Just looking ahead... So we're going to just weigh up a lot more options every week. We're going to talk about that. And obviously when we play our wildcards in 31, we'll update this uh, and extend this as we go. So a different matrix. If you miss Sunday's show, that's what we're going to do from now on. We won't dwell on it too much today. We're going to go straight to this game week and the captain candidates. So De Bruyne, when we look at minutes per expected goal involvement on penalty, he is top of our charts. So that kind of does back your decision to bring him in and maybe put the captaincy on him. Yeah, and it's City, isn't it? Like, <laughs> he, yeah, City could. I mean, Leicester beat them earlier in the season, didn't they? Like one of the first games, and it was it was an amazing like performance for them. Will they repeat that? I, I don't know. I still, like I said, I, I still think when you've got the chance to kind of go for for City and you have a bit of an indication that maybe the team they're playing aren't as good. Because I think a lot of people will see City v Leicester and be like, oh, that's a tough game for City. But actually, some signs indicate that maybe not that tricky for them. And if they get their team selection right, I think City could end up winning that maybe maybe fairly comfortably. Uh, yeah, it's just... It's just I, I, don't, I don't... I'm tempted... But I don't think I'll do it just because there is that that slight fear of, of the rotation risk. Um, and, and will he play? You know, they could bring him on for 30 minutes to give him, give him a bit of a run out. But these stats are nice though, aren't they? They like are. He's, he, he's, he's right up there. He's having... Stat, he, I mean, his stats have been good all season. Yeah, this is have. what I'm banking on. I'm hoping that I avoided him early in the season and kind of got away with it for the most part. I didn't... When I went for Mares over De Bruyne, I don't think that was a massive error. It was what I did with the money that, that was the problem because De Bruyne never went crazy for like weeks and weeks and weeks. But I think now, to the end of the season, I'm hoping maybe he can start. He's, he's just looked a bit more like himself, like he's converting more chances, scoring for Belgium. He's scored like some open play goals for City. He's just looking a bit more, a bit more on it, I think. Uh, so yeah, I'm hoping that he can, he can kick on. Well, it's funny. It's almost like Gundogan has shown De Bruyne the role that he can play. Yeah, that's very true. Um, you know, and we've noticed that there's been like almost a little bit of a transition between the two of them. De- Gundogan perhaps dropping deeper and De Bruyne getting into those areas where Gundogan has occupied. I don't think we can rely on that and say, oh, Gundogan's not a good pick anymore yet. 
Because I think Gundogan is probably, he's got to be in the player of the year conversation now as well. Um, so I don't want to write off Gundogan yet. But De Bruyne statistically has been outstanding this season in terms of chances, shots on goal. He's had plenty, but he hasn't converted them. The question is, will that change over the run-in? And also, will De Bruyne start every game? To me, he's not going to make my wild card, I don't think, unless he absolutely blows Leicester away with his performance. I still, just that nagging doubt that he will get rested as City get deeper into the Champions League. And I don't doubt that they will. I think they'll get past Dortmund. Pep's obsession with winning in the Champions League, I think, will manifest itself in unexpected rest for De Bruyne once the title is won. I mean, Pep's always like, valued the Champions League really highly but he still mm. does weird bloody things in the Champions League I remember last year when he played like De Bruyne like wide right for no reason in the like mm. crucial game and they lost the game and it was like well obviously like he, he tinkers too much he kind of overthinks things in, in, in some ways um, yeah. I just don't want I mean, that moment like you said when the team sheets come out the anxiety of watching to see if De Bruyne is in that team yeah I know I mean you You've got to think that De Bruyne is going to play most games, though, right? Like he's even if they rest him, they're not, they're not going to rest him for every game between now and the end of the season. They need they need to keep that momentum. No, going. but he will get resting games that they think they can afford to rest him around the European games, and that will probably be fixtures where you look at and go, "Well, I want him for that game." And that's that, I just don't want to put my my season running in the hands of Pep in this scenario. In a scenario where the title looks won and the Champions League is very much in his grasp. I don't want to be counted on Pep. I just don't. Yeah. That's no, me. I, I, this is what I said. I mean, I can completely see why people would go no city or three city. I think you can, e- e- either way, he's got the high risk, high reward like strategy. I just look at Gundo and I think he could play deeper mm. in, in any system they play. He could miss out. He could play up the pitch and, and still do, but I still think Gundogan is going to do well between now mm, and the end of the I season. But I look at De Bruyne and I think, I don't care where he plays. I literally don't care what position he plays in that team. He's going to, he's, he should do well between now and the end of the season. And he's someone who in my position is, is a bit of a differential. Um, and, you know, and, and I kind of like that aspect to him. He's probably not going to be someone I captain, but I do think there's, I'm, what I'm seeing from him is, is a player that, He's just looking a bit sharper than he did earlier in the season. See, that's my problem with it. It's a big outlay for a player that you're not going to captain. Because when you're not captain him, you might as well have Rafina or a Lingard or a Madison who are a lot less. De Bruyne, for me, the captaincy's got to be a factor. And if you're looking at him going, I'm never going to captain him, that's where I'm like, well, there's better value, I think. That's my problem with him. The, ca- the captain's a funny one, though, because I don't know who I'm going to captain each week. Like, there isn't... There isn't those like one or two, like Fernandes and Salah for well, me this season have always been the two players who I'm mm. like default captain and same with like Kane as well. But like, I'm just not fully invested in any of them really. So this is what I mean. Like this, this is where I think like thinking a bit outside the box and being a, dip, being a bit kind of smart in how we pick captains and, and thinking about players outside of those core players, I think could actually do quite well for us. Yeah, as we saw in the in the table we showed on Sunday, it's not about necessarily picking outlandish players that no one else will think of. It's just picking a different heavy hitter. Getting the right time. Yeah. And De Bruyne, I, I, I endorse him this week. I do think City, I've predicted one all, 
But I think that could easily be a comfortable win for City as well. I, I, I think they will trade blows with Leicester and City will take a draw knowing they've got easier games to come to for the run-in. Um, because Dortmund looming is going to be in their heads. And I think, you know, my worry with De Bruyne and, and Gundogan and Sterling if they start is with 10 minutes to go, even if it is one all, Pep will start thinking about Dortmund. So, yeah, I'm not, I, I wouldn't endorse De Bruyne Katsy, but I can see he could, he could come in if you're brave enough. But I don't think you are brave enough, are you? I don't know if it's about bravery. It's just about like this. This the, this is the thing that annoyed me on Twitter. It was something like I was, like I was, I was trying just, to play on your cowardly comment there. So I know. it was like it was like this big like thing that I'm endorsing, mm. like always like captaining like stupid players and and going mm. it's like it's not it's not about that. That's, that's never that's literally never been what what I've ever said. I, I've just said back yourself. Mm. You know, back if you if you don't if you think Newcastle are going to be really resolute against Spurs. And, you know, they're going to hold them and they're going to defend really well. Um, and, and City are going to batter Leicester. Why would you captain Kane? Mm. Yeah. That's, that's what, that's the kind of, that's the, that's the kind of. Yeah, no, it's totally fair. Um, we're not going to get No, the Bamford and Rafinha options are ones I'm very interested in because of the Sheffield United defensive data. I mean, you look at this table here, defences over the last four minutes per XG conceded non-penalty every 35.7 minutes they will that tells us that they'll concede around three xg to Leeds, and Leeds are an attacking team um 19 big chances as i've said in the last four matches as well they've conceded it really depends if Leeds can break through early i think sheffield united are the weakest defense on show i know newcastle could go you know spurs could go to town but are spurs going to go to town i just i just I still struggle with it. So I want to look at Leeds and I want to look at Rafina. And what I want to point out about Rafina, and this is a subject that I talked about on the Wolf Pod, about players who start off in a lower tier in terms of our thinking because of their price. Like it or not, when we look at player prices, we pigeonhole, we put players in boxes and we go, oh, he's a six million midfielder. Therefore, he's a mid-price midfielder and should never be considered in the same bracket as, <laughs> as, um, as Salah or De Bruyne. When you look at Rafina since his first start, which is I think game week nine, look at this table. Look at the look at the company he's keeping. In terms of midfielders, he's alongside Lookman. Bruno yeah. Fernandez. Yeah, I know Lookman's tenth <laughs> since game week nine for shots on goal, which is incredible, isn't it? So it's sorted by shots on goal. Rafina is fifth overall since game week nine, fifty-five shots. What's interesting here, though, is shots inside the box. He's had more shots inside the box since his first start than Harry Kane, 38 to 36. And that, that is surprising because he's a winger who, for me, is a threat from range. And I've noticed him getting in the box a lot more. Like his relationship with Bamford seems to be growing. There's a bit of a kind of understanding between the two of them. And it was showed in the Fulham goal, right? Bamford dropped deep, set up Rafinha, who was cutting across. 38 shots in the box is really impressive, isn't it? That's the same amount as Salah since game week nine. So he, I think we've got to start looking at Rafinha in a very different light. He's not that winger who is a creator and isn't really a potent goal threat. I think he is. This data shows that he can be. Yeah, I mean, if anyone hasn't listened to your your Wolf pod with with Mode, it's, it's excellent. And I'm not going to just repeat what he said because I thought what he said was, was spot on. Uh, his price next year is largely going to depend on where he where he goes if he does leave. 
I, th- I think Rafinha could play at any team in the league. I honestly do. I, th- I think he's. I think he's just. He's class. He's, he's absolutely phenomenal. He, he's, a, he's a player who can make things happen, create chances. Um, I think his his output has been limited a lot this season by the finishing that, that Leeds have provided. If he stays at Leeds, he's probably going to be what seven point five next year. Yeah, and and it'll be good value at that. I think it'll be good value at that. Mm. I mean, if he gets priced at that and then he moves to like. I don't know, United, Chelsea, somewhere. I'm not saying he will, but he did. You'd be looking at a nine million midfielder priced at seven point five. He'd be first name on on a lot of people's a lot of people's lists. Yeah, I I, I, I think he's brilliant. I, you know, you look at his price now, and you think we're not we're not going to see that that price again. He, he's going to easily be a seven seven point five million midfielder next year. So it's just um, interesting the comparison. I think he stays at least though. I think he does. I think we get another season out of him. But the comparison to Kane since game week nine, he's got stronger expected goal involvement, more shots inside the box and more chances created than Kane, which is crazy when you think that Kane's had probably a fantastic season. He's best probably since 16, 17, I think he was. So as a fantasy asset, he is a, he's performing like a heavy hitter. That's my point. Yeah. Yeah. So when you look at the fact he's got Sheffield United at home, the worst defense over over the last four by a massive margin. That's why I I, I really want to talk myself into the Rafina captaincy. You're and putting a lot of eggs in the basket though. You're putting but Bamford, Rafina captain and Dallas, right? Into Yeah. Into but, it. But looking at our teams, um I will have Sun and Kane as well. So equally if I go Kane, I'm putting eggs in that basket as well. So anyway, at the moment my captaincy is on Harry Kane, as is yours. Um so Talk us through this, As What's your thinking at the moment? It looks pretty strong to me. I don't see many problems. Maybe Cancelo? You worried about that? Yep. Very worried. <laughs> uh, but then I also feel like I've got Trosser off the bench, who I don't think is a complete non-option. Mm. Just because he's playing United. Like I said, I, th- I think Brian will get a goal in that. Um, I've got like 9 million in the bank. That is crazy. You're not getting interest <laughs> on that, you know, As that is... <laughs> I know because I did I did Salah to Trossard and I did someone else to Odegaard so I like I mean look at my mid, my midfield is <laughs> is uh, is Odegaard and Rafina and then Fernandez and then my, my defence is all two. yeah anyway um, I'm going to do Lookman I think to either Son or De Bruyne right I think that's the that's the plan and then who drops uh, out Cancelo or Odegaard uh, well maybe Target right Really? To be fair. Okay. Well, it's double, it's double. I don't like double defence. I never have done. Villa haven't exactly been the most solid defence team going for, you know, they, they keep conceding stupid little goals mm. um, and to players. And, you know, if you ask me, is it Son or Target? You know, it's kind of a, a no brainer, really. If it's Target or, or Odegaard, I mean, I was so impressed with Odegaard and I'm probably not going to keep him on the wild card. And we talk about fun You've, and FPL and stuff. Yeah. Like, I kind of just want to give him another game because he, know, was, he but, was just so good in, the, in that match. So you'd, you'd play target over Odegaard. Yeah, I think was... I probably would. I, I, think, I mean, the thing is with Odegaard, mm. I think it's just the Modric factor. He's a lovely player, looks amazing, so comfortable with the ball, creates loads, zero, zero return. He's yeah, got I mean, no he, end he was whatsoever. <laughs> so that's the problem. And this is why you've got April 4th. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, Odegaard should have had a return in, in that last game. I don't believe 
all the people saying he's the sister of this sister and all that stuff, he should have had a return. He created like three big chances in that match. He was putting in wonderful crosses that just weren't being converted by Arsenal. And I, I don't fully trust the Liverpool defence. Yep. And I think if Odegaard's on it, if he picks it up from where he was in, in that West Ham game, I think he could get something. Um, and it only takes... This is the thing, you know, it's that classic thing with defenders versus attackers and, and things. It only takes a second for Villa to concede a stupid goal. And yet it only takes a second for Odegaard to get a pop a ball onto Lacazette's head. So, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, Lookman's definitely going to leave. It's going to yeah. be solid to Bruno coming. It means I won't have Alonso, who I've been kind of championing all pardon on Twitter and stuff. I really want him. I could just do like target to Alonso um, or something like that. But I think the, yeah, I, I, could, I could do that. I, I, don't, do that. I don't really know at this stage. Okay. Okay, well, you've only got... You would do that. You would do target I, to Alonso. Well, I, I'm so enamoured by the Alonso pick that I would probably would, yeah. Um, because uh, I think I would I mean basically this is my lineup. so I've, I'm going with Pope Diaz Dina Dallas Lingard Rafina Vice Son Fernandez, Kane captain at the moment Bamford Calvert-Lewin Gundogan my first sub Creswell and Dunk it's a good team this it week it is I've sat, I, I'm, I'm happy really happy I, when I when I didn't take the risk on the captaincy last time out I looked at this game and thought I've got Dina and Calvert-Lewin I've got the three leads against Sheffield United. I've got Lingard who could do something at Wolves. I've got Kane and Son covering Spurs as well. My only problem is where I go with the captaincy and I could blow it all by doing that because if I don't, if I pick the wrong player and the other one hauls, it could ruin it. But I do think I've got a good enough 11 where I could take a, a punt. And it's not a punt really. I don't think Rafina would be a risk. I think he will get something. It's just whether or not he outscores Kane. And it's also that factor of having to watch Kane play at Newcastle and dread every little involvement he has, which is not comfortable viewing, is it? But I can't not pick Rafinha on that basis. And that's what we were saying no, earlier. What, right? you can't, what you can't not pick Rafinha on is you think yeah. Spurs are going to struggle to a win against I Newcastle. 1-0, we predicted. Yeah. They do 4-0 for Leeds. Oh, I know. I know. You've so, got to go for Rafina. Come I back know. yourself. I'm, this I'm, is exactly my point. This is exactly the point I was making earlier in the week. I'm a coward you've if I don't you, do you've it. Got to, you've got to, yeah, that's part of the bingo as well. Someone said I'd mention the word coward, and I will. I will mention the word coward. You've got to go for Rafina yeah. in this team. Yeah, I, I think I mean, the, the transfer I'm going to do is dunk to Alonso. Alonso comes yeah. in for Diaz. Diaz on the bench, right? That's, so, what, yeah, exactly, that's yeah. exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. And then I'm going to play Lingard over Gundogan because I don't think Gundogan starts. And Lingard, I was just always fancied him. What was he? Six returns in seven? Wolves. Yeah. And I'm back to 2 0 win for West Ham. So Lingard will get something, I hope. I'm going to go with Fina. for Diaz and you've got like. What a team. If I was Looks free great, hitting, doesn't it? Looks good. If I was free hitting, it would yeah. pretty much be that team. So I think when I've got that strength around the captaincy, I can afford to risk it, I think. Otherwise, I'm just going against what I said last week, which was I've got a weak seven-man team, so I didn't take a risk. When the, when the team yep. looks strong, it's set up to go for it. So the only trouble is Rafina's got 80% ownership anyway, right? So he's not a differential by any means. If he comes in, I'm not going to get a bigger gain, gain anyway, unless he comes in big. But Or unless he comes in Kane Blank. Yeah. Yeah, true. 
I don't think that'll happen. I think Kane returns. I think they both return. But I do think, and we've said this for weeks now, Rafina's got a haul in him. He's got that one double figure return at the moment at Newcastle away, which he doesn't bode well. But yes, he's got a haul in him. And I do think that that Sheffield United game could go as a heavy win for Leeds. And in a heavy win for Leeds, you've got to think Rafina comes out with double figures. So I think I will go for it. Because I think I've got to just remind myself that. Mm. I had a good week. Like, I look at your team this week and I think, oh, nice. Yeah, it's just like Calvert, having Calvert-Lewin, Son in there, you're going to be getting Alonso in. It's Yeah, it's, it's, it's powerful. But, but I've had this before. You know, when you look at your team and think, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to have a strong game week. And then it, you come in with a 35-point score and you think, oh yeah, how did that happen? Well. What happened there? So I've, I've had that for 28 weeks this season. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. They, they, the, 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 the players there just don't tend to read the script, do they? And uh, actually do what we expect. That's why we play this game, right? Uh, Black Box League, we've got a new entry straight in at the top. Nathan Joblin, who is 14th in the world, goes in above... Luca Bubnik, who's down to 72. And Connor Richardson, who is always in the chat. I don't know if Connor's in tonight. He is in the yeah, chat. He's there. He's, he's there, there at last. Because I have seen, bless him, sorry, Connor, every week he's in the chat going, are they going to look at the Black Box League? And this week when I put it in and I thought, well, we must look at it. I was thinking, I hope Connor's going to turn up because it'd be ironic if he isn't there tonight. And we mentioned it, but he is. Well done, Connor. 68 in the world. We would be right behind you, but sorry, Nathan's our favourite. So that's it. He's higher than you. That's how it works around here. We're mercenary. 14th in the world. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and these, no, well done, these awesome three, stuff. these three are, they're pimping it about a bit. They're in a lot of leagues. They're in Andy's league. They're in the scout league. So it's not like we've got oh. None of these are exclusive to us. So unfortunately that diminishes my favouritism a bit, but even so it would be nice to have a winner of the FBL in our league this year. So, um, yeah, we're cheering along Nathan until the other 13 managers come in above him and uh, then they'll be <laughs> Yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? But uh, yeah, so yeah, I mean, 14th, I mean, how would you be feeling if you were 14th in the world right now? As What would you be doing? How would you be approaching it? Well, it's, 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 it's interesting because, I mean, you had like Ola, who was number one for ages. Mm. And I remember I was on the FPL show and he came on. And um, I said to him, you know, what's your strategy kind of going forward? Like, are you going to, you know, carry on doing what you're doing or are you going to like protect yourself and stuff? And he was like, nope, going to carry on going for it. Like, it's been working for me up until now, blah, blah, blah. And it didn't work for him because now he's dropped, like, you know, he's dropped out of it. He, I mean, he was like 60, 70 points clear in number one mm. and stuff. And mm. You know, it's this kind of thing. Like, I think when you, if you're 1K, you're looking to push into the top 100, this is where I think the differentials and, and doing things a bit different, you know, as, as a way of trying to hit the variance and going ahead is a strategy. When you're 14, suddenly you're, you're competing in a mini league, basically. You're not just competing in a, you know, in a pool of like 1,000, 2,000 people. You could be like 50 Oh, yeah, you are. I mean, I... Even, I mean, Connor and Luca as well. I mean, I'm worried that Connor's watching this show and we might have an influence on him and blow oh, it for please him. please don't listen to us. Jesus. Yeah, I know. It's a, well, no. well, I don't know. We, we sometimes come out with the listen to, maybe listen to part of wisdom, but <laughs> we're not <laughs> awful. Do. But I, I don't, like I said to you, I don't like being around people who are in the chance of winning it because you just don't want to say anything that influences them and then ruins at, it. At this, at this stage, I, I would just be doing my own thing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be worrying about what other people are doing, what, you know, I definitely wouldn't be worrying about EO or even EO in the top 50 or anything like that. I think, you know, when you start getting to the last couple of games of the season, 
that's when maybe you think, okay, maybe I need to do something now to push ahead or whatever. Mm. But for now, there's there's time to go. You've got what nine weeks to go. Things are going well. Just yeah. Well, I hope chill. Nathan, Connor, Luca, um, and even Chris and Torje, who are not far behind, are, are relaxing, chilling out, enjoying their Easter. I wouldn't be doing any of those things if I was in their position, but I hope they they can do that. Um, yeah. It's. It's time for Smash and Light, but of course we are going to do backstage tonight as well. So if you're watching the stream, stick around because we're going to do a and a afterwards um, and we're just going to chill out and relax. I might get a beer and... Um, I'm going to get a whiskey. Oh, yeah. So there you go. So we'll have a bit of an interval and we'll be back, basically. Um, but if you're listening to the podcast, that's all you get, I'm afraid. You want to watch YouTube <laughs> and watch the YouTube. stream. Yeah. Um, but yes, so it's uh, Smash and Light time as... Yeah, 1,400 people watching live, which is great. Uh, honestly, I hope everyone has a, an amazing Easter uh, over the next few days and a nice bank holiday and everything like that. Um, restrictions are open. I'm going to be seeing my parents for the first time since June oh, wow. on Saturday, which is really nice. And they're listening to this stream, I imagine. So looking forward to seeing I've you. I've got a soft spot for your dad because I love his text messages. Although recently he must yes. have worked it out, the autocorrect, has he? I don't know. Well, I think he's probably been doing all right. It's been uh, less aggressive, uh, less aggression coming from him. <laughs> But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna post a picture of him. I think on Twitter, everyone wants to see him, and he's become a bit of a little mini celebrity. Mm. So he'll he'll like that. Uh, but yeah, uh, like like the stream if you haven't already. Um, you know, 1,400 people watching, 260 likes. Come on, guys, this is this is a poor. Well, we effort. weren't that bad, were we? weren't that we weren't bad. That bad. Please, uh, we do we do appreciate it. it means a lot. Uh, and obviously, subscribe if you haven't already. Um, but we'll see you in the after show if you're still listening. In the after show. And also, if you are listening to the podcast um, or you're not going to be there for the backstage in a bit, I've got a week off work. And so I've got all that time to prepare for next week's wildcard and show. I'm going to get hopefully some good big data together, big talking points, and we are going to do the wildcard to death next week. And we'll probably do a show and then a late night stream going into Friday because it's a Friday kickoff, isn't it? Um, so join us for that if you've got to depart now Um, but thanks for listening and uh, it's a good night for me good night everyone Podcast Network.